Time to add personality to your office or home. Goat Guns offers a wide range of miniature gun models that are fun to build and display. From desk decorations to conversation starters, our realistic die-cast models are sure to impress. Choose from a vast selection of historic miniature firearms such as AR-15s, AK-47s, and 1911 pistol. We have greatest of all time support and a 90-day buyback guarantee. Order your Goat Gun at GoatGuns.com. Like the official podcast. Oh, I'm Adam. I'm JP. I'm Gareth. Yeah, that worked. First time round. Adam won. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, sorry, my internet. I didn't get yeah, any of that. That was like an uncomfortable <laughs> silence there. <laughs> I was wondering had my microphone cut out or something. Like, I know it was just really looking at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's never happened before but it was just like uh, what is something is it, is it, yeah, it we, just, bro- we it. broke the internet Garrett the, the internet yeah. wasn't, wasn't ready for the two of us being on at the one time I was just staring what? at Benno like what's going on why is Benno not, talk- why is Benno I was not like, talking I was like have I said the wrong thing maybe maybe it's not my place maybe it's not my place to say I'm Jamesy I'm like I'm only a guest how dare you use your name how dare you use a nickname full name or nothing um well, in, in fairness, not there's any wrestling to talk about this week, is there? Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or football. As there shouldn't be. We're all in mourning. Even you, James. Have we started? Is that what it is? I'm way behind now. We What's are, going mate? on? Yeah, we're just we're <laughs> okay. ploughing through it, mate. Honestly, we just that's the only way to deal with it at times. Mm. Just ignore the damage done behind. <laughs> um, well, we've got James and, uh, and Gareth back. That's uh, that's always good. We've got the uh, got the got the whole gang together here, Gareth. Uh, you know, we we just as we discussed on the uh, the five hundredth uh, Patreon episode show we did on Patreon this weekend. You know, you were described as being maybe the uh, the edge of grapple. I think that's what it is. You know, big comeback, mate. You know, you come back for oh. the uh, big paydays. Is that not a fair comparison made this week? <laughs> Cheeky fuck. <laughs> I know you I want to see a book. I know I look as old as sin, but come on. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're punk, as you said in the private chat. You're here to uh, to pop a birate, you know, to uh, to to come back and then at some point during the show, storm off. Presumably, cut a promo on all your enemies. You know, maybe that could be the uh, the route. <laughs> have you got Have you got a muffin there, Gareth, and 12, 12 cans of organic flavored water or whatever the fuck he was drinking <laughs> in a carrier bag? So such a weird situation, yeah. This is, this, no, I can't, I can't be punk because this is the worst retirement run ever. I'm definitely Terry Funk, <laughs> <Yeah>. aren't I? <laughs> you punk a couple of comebacks, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, but you got described as uh, as Edge. I was the Randy Orton because I haven't changed my gimmick in 20 years with the Berend uh, <laughs> and stuff. JP, what, what did they say you were, JP? J- Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts. As if there's like a kind of spate of fucking dark, dark secrets like left behind me. <laughs> There really isn't, folks. I just do have to, have to say that. It's not like bodies buried out in a desert. I was going to say, d- like. don't open that door behind you. See all the bodies come falling out into the room. It is. <laughs> I think you're a, you're a better father than Jake the Snake anyway, uh, JP, for sure. <laughs> Mate, I'd struggle. But you'd struggle to be worse. Wouldn't you? you really would. You, I mean, that's awful. I know. But he, even he says so himself. He, he wasn't says it himself, yeah. Mate, he was, like, if um, he, two at a time with toys, isn't it? That's where his fucking head was. <sighs> 
God. It'd be that lad, like that lad at Clash of the Castle walking around with a t-shirt that says better better dad than Jake the State Roberts. Get that in the grapple store, Gareth. We can uh, we can flog them. <laughs> that feels more socially acceptable, isn't it? It's just, I saw him getting ber- I saw him getting berated online. It was like, yeah. ah, come on, it's, it's a bit much now, isn't it? Like, I know it it's, got, a, it's a slightly distasteful joke. Like, but come on, you're, you're being a bit performative now. If you're going up to that guy in a pub and berating him for yeah. for fucking a joke t-shirt, you're like, come on now. Given what he wants, standing up for Nancy yeah. and fucking come on, go. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful yeah. performative round. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but no one made us have you back, Jamesy. Obviously, you were, uh, you know, you've become a fixture this week. You've just, I don't know if it's, is it the, the Queen passing away that's, uh, that's made this happen, mate. You know, FPL podcast turned up on Ask Grapple on Saturday. You're here now. I'm trying to trying to pull you into doing some Patreon related uh, CM Punk stuff coming up as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is, Benno, but just I, I've just been in a very good mood this week. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the world that has me that way, but I just there's a spring in my step. I feel a bit lighter. There's a smile on my face going around. Benno says, Will you do this podcast? Ah, yeah, go on. Benno's looking for people to dial into Grappy R. Ah, yeah, God, sure, like I'm feeling in great form. Why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> definitely caught me on a good week for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good plenty to talk. We've been uh, enjoying doing those uh, those FPL shows. Like I say, it's been a good way to, yeah. uh, to get you back in the uh, in the rotation. Mate. Like we always say on there, it's just, uh, you know, rather than having to actually watch wrestling, you know, just turn up and talk about footy. Like, it's great, isn't it? it works, it's that great. One. It really is. I like, is. I like, I would always have had any wrestling podcast I ever did. Like, I'd be like, Jesus, I need to have my notes and I need to have everything mm-hmm. ready and all that, blah, blah, blah. I could just log on there two minutes before the start of the show and just talk any whatever shite is going on in my yeah. head like and whatever mistakes i've made in my team this week talk about them like but yeah that's great brilliant and like you you said you got great numbers for the show on i know now it was mm. the night the queen died and maybe people thought they'd get a bit of entertainment on the night that happened so i don't know was it that or was no. it just their informed Possibly. fbl opinions but no, a morning nation needed people at that point in time. And I like to think we stepped up. Like, if anything, you know, we, we added something to uh, mm. to what was going on at the country at that point in time. So a lot of people did think, all right, it's the football off then. And so, you know, that was, we were answering a legitimate question there as much as mm. anything else. And it isn't off this weekend, or some of the games are off, but um, I can put an 11 together. I'll tell you what, that'll put the cat amongst the pigeons. Wouldn't it? In, in well, terms of what's going to go on this week, yeah. who's going to take mm-hmm. mad transfers and the rest of it? Mm. What's Took Andy a minus four do? already. Oh. <laughs> what's Andy? What's Andy going Big to do? Like, in, 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 in the most template season of all time, Andy's been taking minus eights, minus twelves. If he can't get a team on the pitch, like Jesus Christ, there's no knowing what that man's going to do. Like. <laughs> He's going to go for the world record because that's the thing. The person who won the game last last week, they actually literally won just by not taking any hits and having to have happening to have like be the first person to sign up to the game. That's all it took. And they won themselves a copy of FIFA 20. So, congratulations! (laughs) 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 The prizes prizes are so crap. Like, it's it's the fucking Premier League, a billion dollar enterprise. There's 10 million players, and the best team every week gets a pair of earphones (laughs) and a two year old copy of FIFA. Like, that's fucking shocking. Not, not even Peter Shilton handball Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that reference comes from. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gravel for the future. Yes. Is it all one word, by the way? I kind of hope I, it is. I, I just want the image. I just want the image to make the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing stuff in. You know how this works now. You know how it's made. <laughs> minus four, Andy says he's on. <laughs> of course, of course he, he is. It'll <laughs> be minus 40 by uh, here. Yeah. I think. Andy. That's restrained. 
I'm enjoying it though. Like we've got a really good dynamic there. Obviously, it's yeah. usually me, you, and uh, and Chris Lane, and then obviously Gareth and JP have done uh, a few of the weeks, and you know Andy's been on pretty much every week as well. We've had different people from uh, our league diving in, but yeah, you you never know what Andy Ogden's done. That's kind of the end of rule. He's the star. He's the star. Yeah. The con- the content we get from that man is just phenomenal stuff. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's listening to us for a, for real FPL advice, but you know we try and we were. I think that's all it was. We were the only podcast who like were willing to uh, to stick our necks out on Thursday night and be like, we know nothing, but here's a podcast anyway. Lol, the Queen's dead. And we just went and got on with it, didn't we? Which is uh, kind of what happened on Saturday too, JP, with the 500th episode on the Patreon. But, you know, not that we're, we're milking it or anything like that. No, not that we're milking it. 500 episodes, mate. 500 <laughs> bits, bits of audio. Very, very it's insane. I... I look back through them and like we were talking about some of the some of the best ones that we've done on there um as well, like the, the AW half year review, the CM Punk um retrospective, the Brian Danielson one, or the uh Ben Owen Jamesy teach Gareth and JP about Ring of Honor, basically, is, is what, <laughs> what it kind of becomes. Um, really like for everyone who has like subs- um like subscribed at any point in time. Uh, like like listen to them thank you so much because it yeah it means a lot there's a lot of audio there like mm-hmm. someone argue too much but that wouldn't be me I'd how many did you miss Benno? out of those 500 how many did you say you would you say you weren't on is it well, less good, than they, five well there's the daily updates yeah, JP's the one to ask on. It's the daily updates that have they kind of course, tossed yeah, the numbers yeah, up yeah, a little yeah, bit, haven't yeah, they, yeah. JP's? Yeah. So there is that. I don't think I've missed any full-length bonus ones, have I? No. Have I missed any, JP? You'd remember better than me. I don't think you have. Any? The only ones I'm thinking were when we were... I need like, a life, don't I? There's spotlights on there. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? We did a load of pre-records <laughs> before that, and the week before we were like both away. So like, yeah. oh, Yeah. Like, there, you go, we, there you go, JP. You're not you're not the Jake Roberts. You're the you're the Bret Hart there, aren't you? You're the workhorse there, putting in <laughs> yes. every, every every single day. It is. It is. That's Ric Flair. Every night yeah. and twice on Sunday. I try to do the. I mean, sometimes in the updates, I do end up missing, and I feel awful about it as well. Like, I, I, honestly, I, I really do. And and um, but like, it's every day when there isn't a bit of audio. I think oh, I'll just try and do a cheeky daily update on there. Um, mm. two of them I've done with terrible impersonations of my late father as well. Uh, <laughs> I was, it, I was just going to say the first one of those is legendary. That was like, okay, <laughs> I don't think anyone had, anyone had expected that. that I, I got one. a message from Sarah Forel and she was like, you have to listen to JP's update today. And I was like, what? It's not just promise. I promise. Just listen to it now. One of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I have cooked the stats, but the stats are the stats, Liam. And as a cricket fan, you should know that as well. Well, <laughs> I mean, the other dirty secret is it was actually the 498th episode of the podcast on Patreon. Same but it, it's not as catchy. Like, this is 499 because there'll be an extended version of this that goes up with the, the pre and post show. Daily update on when? What, Tuesday will be the five technically, but it's wrestling. Like, you know, we we learn from the from the best slash worst in Vince McMahon, you know. It's, uh, it's close enough, isn't it? You know? Well, <laughs> our 93,000 Patreon subscribers would, would almost agree with that as well, <laughs> wouldn't they? That's very true. Pretty yeah. sure that's it. Jump back to the rafters. <laughs> oh, even. <laughs> Uh, that's it's like that Nash quote, isn't it? Where it's like, yeah, you know, ninety-five thousand people in Madison Square Garden jam packed to the rafters. Like, you can't hold ninety-five thousand people in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yeah, did that night. 
That's what we'll say. We did that night. <laughs> but no, I enjoyed that on uh, on Saturday. Obviously, yeah, James, you uh, you called in and uh, helped us out as well. Definitely feeling a bit uh, the worse for wear today. It's typical of us fashion that went about five hours. Um, so <laughs> that audience, yeah, I got to dive out uh, after four, didn't I? So like, I was, yeah. uh, you still went on for another hour. God bless you. I don't think it got dark after he left it, James. It was all very, uh, very above board. Top, top, uh, yeah. top uh, football elevens. That type of conversation we were having. Bit of, bit of burial of Britres near the end, but didn't get it. There wasn't a cooling hour this time. Will was uh, apparently did his voice in on the torch. So without Will's calling it all, uh, it all kind of stayed at a, at a certain level. Yeah, and I think that uh, video. Anytime Matty Edwards is involved in a podcast, the energy level just doesn't, oh, it just doesn't drop when Maddie's involved. It's like, do you know the way yeah. I kind of always feel it after maybe two and a half, three hours? I'm like, God, like I'm just starting to, I've only so many words left in me. When Maddie's there, like just the energy that man has is just, just phenomenal. Like you can keep going on. Like you should have had him on just on the 24 hour stream with you constantly and it would have, you would have flown through it. No matter. Yeah. That's very, well, at the minute though, James, he, I think he's binging Oz. So I think those energy <laughs> levels are going to go right, right back down when he starts it in season three and stuff like that. Like I think at that at that stage it will take a darker turn. But no, it was it was great. The grappy I like sort of absolutely loved it. While conversations as as always, um, and again, you know, I can't think of a more respectful podcast towards um, the late <laughs> Queen who died last week. <laughs> I don't know if Ben O's frozen there or if he's staring at us. He's having some internet problems <laughs> at this stage. He's certainly, um, ben O's not keeping the energy up like Matt, is he? <laughs> he isn't really. And I suppose <laughs> he it, said that, yeah. it, it, Oh, there he is. He's off. No. But I suppose, it, I mean, the thing is, it kind of masks the fact with all of this preamble that we've done so far, the fact that there really is actual, like, in terms of wrestling content, there's pretty much fuck all squared uh, to, to, to speak about this week. Um, I saw MCW New Horizons, so I'm going to talk about that at the end and the N1 victory final. Gareth, you've watched some Impact. Am I right in that? I've watched an Impact match. <laughs> that, nice. That's good enough. What more do you need to do? What was that? It was it was a nine minute match, so I'm sure we can get about 24 uh, minutes of audio out of a nine minute match. <laughs> <Bring them. laughs> we talk about the tag, the tag match with Bay and Austin, but uh, versus. Um, uh, Aussie, Open. The, Aussie Open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry, Benno. Not... We held we we held it together, mate. Didn't go to pieces. He's back now. <laughs> it's all very like, professional this episode. Again, you were staring. You, you, you were fixing us with a glare there, Benno, and I was like, oh no, have I said something wrong again? It was just like <laughs> <laughs> I got a reputation here. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, are, the royal you? family are uh, a cut muffy thing, Charles. <laughs> Well, you are in Liverpool, mate, aren't they? They're after you. You know that. Um, what's, what's the general mood? Or, what's the general mood around Liverpool? Because I, I saw a tweet there with Jordan Henderson signing a book of condolence, mm. and it was like, Jesus, the replies to it from Liverpool fans were were like ninety percent appalled that he would even be pictured doing that. Like, is is it generally just indifference to it, or is it happiness, or what is it? I'd say so. Yeah. I don't, like, think anyone yeah. care. I don't think anyone cares. I just like, say, yeah. for example, I've just been going yeah. to like, you know, Sadie's footy training there tonight and like, you know, all the dads and mums stand around and everyone's just like, just pissed off that the Premier League was off and pissed off that the kids' games got cancelled <laughs> at the weekend and everyone's that was just all a bit like... The kids' like, games was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Just, uh, yeah, mm. I don't know. Uh, well, I've certainly seen no 
obvious levels of mourning going on uh, <laughs> around Liverpool. Just see some see some goths, and you're like, oh yeah, there's some people in black. Like that's as close <laughs> as you're gonna get. It'd be sad anyway. So yeah. What, what about Oxford, JP? I'd imagine um, that'd be a little bit more. Yeah. When you get into the centre of town, where it turns into Narnia, where all the university stuff is, there would probably be, there'd be a bit more of that. And you get the likes of Peter Hitchens as well, who, who lives around here. But um, it is like, there are people like at work, and we said this like, it depends on what social media platform you use. Because Facebook, my Christ, like Twitter is where you go to effectively to kind of where, where, where the laughs are. And by God, there've been some great laughs and some uh, and a variety of memes. And just a shout out to Grieve Watch from the makers of Poppy Watch, like just <laughs> watching, like brilliant, absolutely spot on con- concept. And and obviously those these two things are going to be tied up together. So this year's Poppy season, wow! I'm expecting people to just have Poppy transplants at this point in time, <laughs> cover every, every inch of their body. Um, but it's so it's. Around here, it's a bit more, yeah, like a bit more like kind of royalist. And there was a lad, obviously, who was arrested under the new uh, act in, in Parliament um, mm, for I saying, not that. my king. Is Joe yeah. all right? Uh, he's fine. He's all right. He, uh, <laughs> he said he, he had to say what he thinks about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, now, it's, it's like but, the, the beginner's thing, isn't it? Just throwing, launching, a, a, I could imagine a water bottle just flying at like uh, Prince Charles's head or, uh, <laughs> or Edward's head or something <laughs> in slow motion, <laughs> capturing it like clip art like you did that time, JP, at the, uh, the Olympia. <laughs> it was art, that was. That, that picture from Unified, honestly, should, should be up in the... Um, bloody Tate Tate modern um <laughs> no it, it, it's it's it has been a bit more it's a bit more around here but this is also like this big military area as well mm. so like there's a lot of the um like pleasure to have served you mom type stuff oh, I've seen a lot which would sound like the title of a 70s sitcom you know, <laughs> kind of like bit dirty but like no like it's we- here it's taken very very serious like we were saying on the FBL show, it's like Twitter is one world, which is the world I choose to inhabit. And it's a lot of like-minded people going, what the fuck? And every now and then I'll get like some rando Southerners FBL podcast that I follow and like they've changed the logo to black and white and they're all somber about it. But the majority of it... We did, like, in Irish fairness. Gareth was ahead of the curve on that. <laughs> he got in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, we got a lot, a lot of that, a lot of like... I should have changed the colour, sorry. I should have changed it to like a vibrant... White and black instead. <laughs> Reverse it, reverse the, uh, the image. <laughs> There's a lot of like on um, <laughs> on Twitter, like the Irish kind of going off, wrestling fans in general going off, and then I go on Facebook, and it's like you know, be uncle, <laughs> uncle racist. It's like you know, it's it's the it's the darkest day in the history of our world, and it's just like people from work and stuff like that. It's like I suppose they're more like the real life people, but it is. It's just that's they call Twitter the hell app. Facebook right. is the hell app this week for me. Like I just, I've just avoided it, <sighs> avoided people in real life. I well, don't know what the mood is out there because I don't want to know what the mood is out there. Oh, she was I, I, proper sound. She was proper sound. She used to come around your house and like help you put your shop in and mow your lawn for you and everything like that. Yeah, she, did, she, was, yeah. She, she did some great things. She did some great things for us. I will say, I don't know if you saw like, I mean, you mentioned about the social media, but Instagram and uh, Wayne Lineker and uh, his <laughs> tribute. Um, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. All I could think is how many brothers has Gary got? How much buffer zone has he got to this one? Because he's he fucking hell. 
And he clearly planned for it as well. He clearly planned for it. Yeah, he got that together. For, there's no way he got that together at five minutes notice. Like that was... I, if there's a man who's going to have five beefeater outfits slash thongs like together, I suppose it's going to be him or Peter Stringfellow, isn't it? So, but he and had a, them. A massive inflatable red London bus yep. floating above their heads. Fucking hell. Playing a national anthem in Ibiza. Uh, like yeah and and, and people generally being respectful of it as well like not not, like Mm. people actually being like oh god it's terrible like not shouting and roaring as you'd expect to be it's what you would have wanted people around yeah a fucking phone party is that what she wanted what she wanted was paddington like liam says paddington everywhere (laughs) i said it's like well there was a story this week wasn't there people keep turning up with little paddington bears or the grim reaper yeah, <laughs> on like the on like the railings and Mate, stuff. They they're turning up with mar- marmalade sandwiches. Marmalade sandwiches, yeah. yeah. Tell people stop bringing sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be a quite an image to see Buckingham Palace with a massive rat infestation up against its walls. <laughs> that gives it more of a kind of gothic horror type vibe to the whole thing. But fuck it, I'll watch it if that's on telly. At least it's a change in scenery. Oh, just like I know, it's there nothing more saying, to say about it. Oh, sorry, Jamesy. I was just going to say there were people saying that the Queen should get a posthumous Oscar for her role in the Paddington movie. And it's like, ah, come here. The whole thing has jumped the shark now at this stage. That's the, that's the level we're at. Like, what the fuck? Like, and people are saying this stuff like... Oh, well, she's Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What in the name of God is going on? Like, uh, that, that, that people are so sincere. Like, they're trying to out sincere each other almost you know that kind of a way like it's just fucking madness like you can't chain your bicycle to this fence because we're in mourning for the queen it's like what, what is this what is going on in that country like even I'm nobody's not actually putting their hand up and going stop like this is nuts stop doing this even I'm not reading out Jordan's comment there. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes, that's oh. like, oh, bloody hellfire. Um, but if, if there was, is. if there was, if the descriptor "normal island" ever applied, it's been this week. I know that's an overdone Twitter yep. trope. Well, fuck yep. me, is that where we live? <laughs> it really is. I'm glad I'm not a person who watches regular TV because that might either be spinning this week. That's why I would basically spend <laughs> Sunday like you, Jamesy, watching the NFL because it was just you know there's no footy on. And <laughs> don't dare put any other channel. I'll just watch this. I'll, I'll live in this little world for a while. I'll pretend pretend I like this. Is is all TV just off over there? Because I, I don't really watch normal TV I'd, anymore. Like, if you turn on ITV now, anything is, is live, anything on? I, like I mean, they had like Frozen. Was it Frozen Planet Two on last night mm. as well? But in fairness, the penguins like then pointed <laughs> to the sky and they saw a cloud of Elizabeth, <laughs> of course. <laughs> There was that scene they added in. I could have been CGI. They've had a couple of things, but just nothing live apart from the same conversation on a loop mm. where, like, there's nothing more to what say at this stage. Like, yeah. And it's and it gets to the point where it's just like, like, we, we've, we've gone into, like, a level of ridiculousness with these days and morning. I get that it's, like, a kind of historic event. Not entirely unsurprising, if I could just sort of throw that in as well, <laughs> given that she was like 96. It. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's just got like an episode of like the day to day or brass eye or something, hasn't it? It's just like mm, just reached these re- yeah. levels of just pure absurdity that just you just like fucking hell. Is this like is this how people think? Is this how people legitimately? I thought think? Diana was bad. Oh. I thought Diana was bad. Fucking hell, that was a walk in the box. At least she had a crazy kind of conspiracy story with the whole thing as well. And you went, ah, well, a bit of life to this one. Mum and Elf fired acting the fucking blackguard. I mean, like, it was great fun. But, like, at this point in time, 
like with this, it's just like no. And then there's King Charles. That's the other energy. It's, like, it's the- like Diana, Jill Dando somewhere in the middle, and then like the Queen dying down here. You know, as far as like big yeah. big stories, you can see your teeth into. <laughs> And Jake Goody. Yeah. She was very much like Princess Diana as well. She like doink in a way, I suppose. Like when Matt Bourne got kicked out of WW. Well, that's Princess Diana. And whoever replaced, I don't know, Ray Apollo, whoever, <laughs> um, did it under the mask. That's Jill Dando. I still maintain that Des Lynham for a period of time became like a Princess Diana figure in this country. And I, I still don't understand why to this day, but I was all right with that version. Oh. Brilliant. Well, see the comment there about how close to how close to watching cricket were you? Fucking nowhere near. Still not happening because they did notice that the Tory sports still happened in the James E. Cricket rugby. That's I know. Fine. You know they I get know. they get to have, have their fun. And the working man's game cancelled matches. Isn't that fucking disgraceful? Yeah. Like absolutely could, disgraceful. It could have been the Tories. coke in the toilets and the various kickoffs that would have ensued <laughs> afterwards. If we're going to be brutally honest about it, was that's it really at all levels throughout the football pyramid. By the way. Were they afraid of her being booed and the chanting? Was well, that, imagine if that looked that really. You asked about yeah, Liverpool. I saw, some, I saw some people saying imagine. that. Yeah, imagine what that'd be like. Mm. like it's, closest... it's, it's, it's got to. It's got to have been like taken into account, hasn't it? I reckon. Yeah. Like, where the Premier League then have like done that, that's got to be like a massive factor because they just you know they don't want to be like bringing shame on the the whatever the national game and all this all this. But it would have happened, wouldn't it? There's nowhere on earth that fucking. You know, the idea that if they suddenly played the national anthem at Anfield or something like that, like, it's just fucking, you know, it doesn't even bear thinking about it. Just, <laughs> but yeah, the press would, would have been there fucking absolutely bated breath, wouldn't they? Rubbing their hands together, absolutely desperate wow. to get that angle that they could uh, yeah. they could paint. So maybe it's a good thing that it didn't. Maybe uh, so, didn't yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Worked out for the best. Oh, but anyway, enough of that stuff. They ruined our weekend, you know, no footy, but, you know, we managed to uh, to soldier on regardless. Not much wrestling either. That's another reason why uh, I might have called it yeah. audible and did that Q&A on Saturday, JP. It was fucking something to do, wasn't it? Um, wrestling has often had respect for the royal family. And like that. It's no great surprise. Oh, you know, Queen was a big uh, World of Sport fan, allegedly. Um, but no, obviously... Uh, well, she fuck. <laughs> she fuck. watching that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, like I say, if you want to catch our, uh, I say our 500 episode uh, spectacular on Saturday, aka the J- JP and Beto aboard because it's not on the telly um, show, um, <laughs> you have like I say four and a half hours answering your questions. You can listen to that, obviously as well over on the Patreon. Lots more coming. Got some uh, CM Punk um, related stuff. We uh, well, we've got uh, in the pipeline. Might uh, might go through uh, what we're uh, we're thinking as well. Halloween Film Club will be coming next next month. We've got a. Uh, it's a fucking mm-hmm. uh, Bret Hart slash Montreal month coming in oh. uh, in November, oh, yeah. JP. Yeah, we got lots of plans, mm. lots of stuff to uh, to tempt Jamesy and uh, and Gareth back into the uh, the fall to do uh, do some recording with us. But yeah, the man of the moment I mentioned there, uh, CM Punk. Um, I don't know. What do you reckon for the Patreon, JP? Do you reckon, uh, do you reckon do, uh, be three ideas with the Joe versus Punk series. Uh, the, the WWE DVD from 2011, the uh, the best in the world uh, DVD to have a little look at his WWE run. We could have a look at his uh, his early days in ROH. I don't know what the uh, what's got the most meat on the bone there. I think anything CM Punk is uh, is we're talking about right now. He's uh... oh, I think so. <laughs> I, there's a part of me wants to see the um, best in the world DVD. Mm. I'm kind of just in terms of the portrayal and how he is and who he is as a person because it was also it was the first they made it different for that one they didn't do the usual same production stuff there was a lot more kind of 
like they'd sort of broken the format a little bit. They're all great choices. Um, it's a shame because he's such a boring figure and there's never really anything to say about <laughs> That's the problem, really. You're just like, oh, can't be asked. Get me some Nick Bockwin. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think we'll definitely, definitely get you guys involved, uh, James. Obviously, we've been yes. uh, temp- we've been trying to tempt you with that uh, that punk uh, that punk Joe show. Like I said, but at the time we're maybe uh, dragging the uh, maybe the, the the shoot interview uh, that they did together from uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. like that make it uh, for a good watch as well. Um, I know you're up for all of these, Gareth. All of these ideas. This is again another reason why I'm uh, poisoning the world. <laughs> I mentioned it. <laughs> I, I just thought you were doing all of these, and then I was like, <laughs> yeah. like "To be honest, <laughs> get me back a week later. Get me back a week later. <laughs> Why not?" <laughs> he just needs to keep his name in the uh, in the news uh, for the next couple of weeks, and we've got a Aut- autumn of punk. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. It's going, <laughs> and Liam mentions here that we also have to listen to the Cabana podcast, oh, don't we? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, we could d- dip into that as well. But no, just look at that punk and Cabana. Just explicitly look at their entire relationship and see where we go from there. That'd be good fun. There's hours in that. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. The psychology of it all uh, would probably be the uh, the most interesting point. But, yeah, like I say, that's the uh, the reason we got you two lads uh, on today, obviously. Me uh, me and JP uh, with Matty covered. Uh, we expected last week to be doing a split show of reviewing All Out and uh, reviewing Apparently the WWE pay per view that happened last week, Clash of the Castle. Um, apparently that was also a thing. <laughs> Obviously the uh, the show got railroaded by all of the uh, all of the punk stuff that came out. It was literally breaking while we were on air. Uh, it was kind of like what well, was like being a, getting JP's dream of being on a soccer Saturday with uh, with all kinds of yeah. uh, breaking stuff about the uh, the fights backstage. Being on know, Red Zone now is Scott Hansen. He's the fucking new hero. <laughs> that stuff. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about it in the pre-show. Which you get Patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it felt it definitely felt a bit like that. We just yeah needed somebody to uh, to send us to the uh, the highlights uh, in the back. But things do it feels a little bit like the calm after the storm now, doesn't it? Feels like things mm. have kind of settled mm. over the uh, the last couple of days. Obviously, lots more details came out since me and, and JP recorded last week. You know, depending on who you believe, you know, either CM Punk is you know the most you know evil man in the world who you know set upon a uh, a poor defensive Kenny Omega. Who, who was uh, and, and the young bucks who were uh, just purely you know Kenny especially just trying to get the dog out the room that was apparently the uh, one version of the story you know the other version of the story is they battered the door down and Ace Steel was in a uh, in fear of his life hence he had to throw a chair at uh, at one of them and uh, and bite Kenny Omega on the shoulder like all kinds <laughs> of came out but we're not really. I don't think we're any clearer on what happened. The investigation is still going on into the uh, the fight. Obviously, you know, the other big thing we're going to talk about is Dynamite and Rampage. And Dynamite, you know, the big fallout there was that the uh, everybody involved was uh, was taken out of the uh, the opening credits. Um, and obviously, we can get into the whole title situation coming out of it. But yeah, to, to you first, James, uh, what have you uh, what have you made of it all? When did you, uh, were you on who went uh, unspoilt on it? On, on, did you wake up on uh, on Monday morning to this complete shit show uh, last week? And have you been like the rest of us, just taking any little uh, nibble and use you can get as the uh, the week's gone on? It's been uh, It's been an entertaining week, if nothing else. Oh, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, like I, like this, you've caught me at probably my lowest point of interest in AEW's since Punk and Danielson came along. Like, I, I was never a guy who'd sit down and watch AEW every week until those guys came along. And since they came along, I've pretty much watched 
I watched every hour of it, all the pay-per-views. Some of those pay-per-views I've stayed up for, which is <laughs> becoming increasingly difficult for me the older I get and the busier I get and that kind of thing. Um, I had zero interest, I have to say, first of all, of actually staying up and watching that pay-per-view, um, which maybe we can talk about that in a while as well, but between how bloated it was and it just, I don't know. It has felt like kind of inessential TV to me for the last four or five weeks. Like I've, I've fallen way behind in my dynamite watching in the last while. I just haven't been as compelled to watch it. Um, but then I wake up Monday morning and I'm thinking, God, I wonder who won the Punk Mox match. And I think I didn't actually find out who won the match till about lunchtime on Monday because there was so much, the match became so irrelevant to me and they're like, the, who was the champion didn't seem to matter anymore because there was like, you start by seeing a couple of jokes about Punk and you're like, what's that about? You know, and then you, and then you, you start seeing pictures of Tony Khan beside Punk, like with his eyes bulging out of his head and you're like, what in the name of God is going on here? And then the more and more you hear about it, like it's like, fucking hell, this is bonkers. And then I remember I sat down at lunchtime and I watched um, that girl from Fightful, Denise um, Salcedo or whatever her name is. Yeah. She had the proper, well-filmed, where the voices didn't sound like they were completely distorted. <laughs> yeah. I had a watch, had, had a watch of that, and I was like, "Fucking hell, this is brilliant! Like this is proper CM Punk is back." Because like there has been a tiny part of me that has. There's been like a 20% of me that's been looking at CM Punk so far in AEW and kind of been like happy, smiley CM Punk. I'm back to help all the young guys in the locker room, stage diving. And his, it's been so great to have him back that you kind of, you almost say to yourself, oh, stop complaining. Like yeah. CM Punk has come back after so many years. Stop complaining and just enjoy it. And like, I've loved his in-ring wrestling. I think in a way he has, this is the best wrestler CM Punk has ever been I think just the, 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 the thoughtful way he's got about his matches and the little things that he's put into them and that kind of thing um, but there has been this little thing at the back of my head this is not CM Punk you know CM Punk and you you put it very like I was actually surprised how how much you went in on him Benno on, on, on Spotlight last week and you were very honest like CM Punk is a fucking arsehole like he, he's a dickhead you know <laughs> Um, and I think you can love him and you can love him as a wrestler, but you also have to be extremely realistic and say he is not a good person. You know what I mean? But that bit of badness that's in him is also part of his greatness. You know what I mean? And like, there's been a whole lot of talk about Roy, Roy Keane comparisons and all that kind of thing. Roy Keane is not Roy Keane and Roy Keane is not the leader on the pitch and the footballer he is. If you take that little bit of nastiness out of him and you take that chip off his shoulder and you like he literally will use his grudges to motivate himself in his matches. And CM Punk is the same. And it's that little edge that's been missing in his wrestling that I've kind of missed, I think. And the problem with CM Punk is that um, <laughs> the minute it comes back, he goes way too far and says too much and ends up suspended at home, you know, Um but yeah, I don't know what you think, Gareth. Are you the same as me, or what's what's your take on it? Or yeah, I mean, I mean, I listened to Benno last week, and Benno going in with like um, pardon, mm. and I thought I expected mm. uh, last Big week. Time, and, yeah. and to be honest, I was just just in total total agreement with him. And and it's it's one of these like weird things where you know, again, I'm the same as you, James. I've loved the actual matches so much. I've loved the kind of like the build and the storyline that's gone into some of these matches. But and but again, just having that. 
arsehole edge of CM Punk is mm. like such a good thing. And all the drama that came along with this, like I love it. I like live for, <laughs> live for this with wrestling. Like this is, you know, this is part of like, like what hooks you into wrestling years and years and years ago is that kind of just that peek behind the curtain and the stuff that's going on and it's so like intriguing that side of things but then there is almost that that part of me the other way that thinks like I always have that kind of like end game in my head of we can't have AEW falling apart and suddenly we get back into a world where WWE is the only game in town ever again that's something that we (laughs) need to avoid at all costs because wrestling has been more interesting for the past three years than it's been for the past 20 years you know basically for having that in place so then there's that part of me that thinks well if you know CM Punk's going to go into that locker room and blow everything apart and <laughs> potentially ruin everything. Maybe there's an element of perfection in the idea that maybe he does just leave all together now and, you know, having sat here and waited for years and years and years for his return. They've kind of almost had this beautiful little one-year run there where you've got the enjoyment and joy of him coming back and, you know, the, the reaction in Chicago and everything. That first show, we've had some really good, interesting, entertaining matches leading up to this point, and now we've had the absolute fucking utter, you know, top-end drama at the back end of it. Like, what else is the what, what else is there to do kind of thing except for potentially poison the whole company and destroy it and end up <laughs> we turn around in 18 months time going like, oh fuck we've just got to watch fucking Hunter's vision of WWE now this is what we've got as he hoovers up his indie lads again to you know make him uh, make him look like a better booker than he actually is like, I don't know um, but it's uh, I don't know what a what a weird scenario because again I mean you mentioned it last week me avoiding spoilers to put the stuff on the app and then like watching my phone notifications just going absolutely crackers last week and then I'm, I messaged you and I was like oh I need to know so much but I don't want things spoiled and then you're like I can tell you without spoiling anything I was like go on go on you've got to tell me I was literally I was so so pleased you did like (laughs) I was on one of them like city scooter things like on my way home from town and like you sent me that message I was like right I'm stopping here I stopped I parked my scooter I sat at the bus stop and I sat there and I wrote those messages out to you I was like how can I explain this to Gareth and copy and paste what Punk said without giving away the fact that he's the champion and any of that stuff so like I'll let you have some thoughts into that so you were I was going to say it was very well worded you didn't spoil a thing I was sat there in work like looking around like you know <laughs> wanting to talk to somebody about it you two like gareth and jp usually the ones where i was like because because matty was the same but matty's a bit more like you know matty would quite he enjoys the drama don't get me wrong but like you know he, he he's he'd be fine finding out on his own time you two are a bit more like me and like the the news junkie <laughs> size and especially you gareth obviously you know i've had that that punk club as well i mean that's why you're both here you know james you've got like a similar background to me with roh punk you know mm-hmm. from then and obviously gareth you love him as uh as much as i do respect you know more you know focused on the on the more current stuff but it is. It's the it's the most CM Punk thing to ever happen, and it was just like, yeah, I just I knew you needed to see this. I knew you needed to kind of experience <laughs> it with the uh, with the rest of us because it was just. Do you know what it reminds me of, me James? It's like as much as you know, t- thinking about what we might do on Patreon. As much as I love Punk, you know, like I say, I, I also know what he is. But like, I think a lot of the appeal of Punk was this. You know, you think back in the day, I loved his matches in ROH. I loved his promos. <laughs> But did I love his shoot interviews slightly more? Maybe. You know, like the sitting off with Commander oh, yeah. or sitting yeah. off with Joe type of uh, shoot interviews, you know, Barry in the World or his little live journal or when he'd go off on yeah. people and stuff. This element of his personality 
is yeah. part of the appeal of who he is, isn't it? it that, that's part of his charisma, him sitting there, you know, munching on fucking cakes from that bakery and just <laughs> laying into his enemies. It's the most, it's the most CM Punk he's been since he came back. You absolutely nailed that. And in that moment when he's eating the brownies on there, you realise at that stage, like, he's goading Tony Khan. That was the thing I, I don't think I'd, I'd probably kind of thought mm. about last week, but how much it just made Tony Khan look weak. He's sitting there slagging off his own company and the people who kind of co-founded it while eating a brownie and drinking whatever the fuck that was in those cans. <clears throat> That's not someone who has got a level of respect for it as well. Just looking, spoiling for a fight um, as much as anything else. But I think this is like, we've got the, the big test of Tony Khan's leadership here. That's, I suppose, in some weird way, the saving grace for him is he doesn't have to deal with punk for, what, eight to nine months. Yeah. yeah. Title situation's fucked. I like the direction that they're going, which I'm sure we'll get into in a, in a bit and stuff like that. But like we spoke about it in the preview about, like, there's reasons why you put the title on Moxley. And if, by God, anything else, all the backstage stuff, everything else that's gone on has sort of proved that to be the case. But how long's on his contract? Is he going to be around? Yeah, it's a whole other sort of heap of questions, but at least Tony Khan's got some time. Should he have, should should he have time though? Like, like mm. you know, I think you know you talk about it being a test for Tony Khan. Like, like honestly, I think I I, I honestly think that there's sort of like the, the dust settles and things, and there's all this talk about punk, and there's all this talk about like the elite and all your ace steel jokes and all this like out of the thing. I think Tony Khan's role in this is just like absolutely just fl- I feel like I mean I haven't listened to a stack of podcasts on it but I feel like it's just flown under the radar completely like the first time I was watching that press conference live I was just watching him and I was like I, what, what the fuck are you doing like he looked like the most piss weak person in the world sitting there just like pulling these simpering little faces and pulling these awkward little faces and smiles and all this like in the meantime he's got like one of his like you know, one of one of his talents, like trying to um, just talk over him and things. When Khan kind of stepped in and Punk just kind of like talked him down and things, I just thought, what well, what kind of impression does this give us? Like, you know, some kind of leader. I was thinking, like, I was thinking, imagine if this was me and like my business and someone was what was like talking about some of like our stuff like in that way or something and i'm just sat there like next to the person like in a team meeting just <laughs> grinning away and sort of like like nearly agreeing with him at yeah, times kind of nodding know, his head like yeah. yeah people will be looking at me like you were the biggest fucking mm. piss weak that like leader that there, there is and like i don't know like you you look at things like obviously this has been like bubbling away in the background for for ages you've had things like the Thunder Rosa stuff bubbling away in the background. You've had other, you know, sh- shit along uh, along the way, and you think, like, should he not have got a grip at this? And like, could you, mm-hmm. you, you know, th- and the idea that they're live in that moment, that he just sat and just let that like escalate the, the way he did, and he didn't just shut it down and get Punk out of there or exert yeah. power himself and things. It really just like left a real bad sort of taste in my mouth for Tony Khan as a as a leader of the company and kind of to me it like it damages my perceptions as a fan of his ability to control the wrestlers and you know the the direction of the company but I just keep thinking you know what wrestlers are like they're like fucking absolute sharks I was thinking if you're sat there some guy like you know you're watching him you're thinking fucking hell I can give this guy the run around he's sat there he's got millions of 
you know, dollars. Like, I can fucking easily, like, trample all over this and get my slice of this and just railroad him down whatever road I want to. And, you know, like, it makes you look at, like, the role that someone like a Jericho's at to this point, and you think, Jericho's probably got him twisted around his fucking little finger. How many promoters and money marks and all sorts has Jericho fucking inter- encountered uh, along the way? And now he's got, you know, arguably the biggest of them all. And it's like, and Jericho's still there, top of the tree. Like, he's embedded uh, himself in there even further, if anything uh, else. Uh, uh, this whole uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I think when AEW started, I was, I went into it thinking like, God, yeah, this Tony Khan guy is, you know, he's this really like sharp, intelligent businessman. He understands analytics. He understands wrestling and all this kind of, but like, I don't know, coming out of this, I'm, I'm just not sure about him at all. Like, Really not. And I think um, exactly what you said, Garrett. And I, and I think if he was a proper strong leader, that Punk wouldn't even do what he did. Like, and, and I was kind of I was thinking about the whole thing. Like, clearly, that that was like that was a, when he started. That was almost a, that's a speech he's done in front of his mirror before. That wasn't just a guy shooting from the hip and throwing out random accusations. In, in, in you know, you know, you know when you're angry sometimes and you just spout things out, but it's not planned. And it, you know, and you can see when someone does that. To me, this was premeditated, planned. It was simmering inside him, I think, for a long time. You know, like that, that goes back. He, he's he's going back to things Hangman Page said back in was it May, early summer, May June, kind of. Um, so clearly, he's had a problem for a while, and like. There are some people that just can't let something go. Like I remember, uh, you, you were talking about CM Punk last week, Benno, about him, about what kind of friend he is, and the, the other way he was. As you were talking about him paying Cabana's bills, mm-hmm. and it was a bit like you can be my friend, and I'll look after you, and I'll pay your bills, and I'll get you booked, and all that. But you have to fall in line. What would I say, and all this kind of thing, and. That's a specific personality trait. Like I, I remember there was a guy that we were in college with and he was about three or four years older than us. And he was pally with our group of friends. And he like he had his own car. He had his own apartment. Um, and we thought this was great. This guy is driving us around like he's buying us drink and all this kind of stuff. But he had this real vindictive streak to him where you'd be randomly out in a pub and he'd start a row with somebody and it would be clearly his fault. Like he would just start on someone and then he'd be berating us afterwards. You didn't back me up in there. Look at all I've done for you. Yeah. And it was like this really toxic thing. You know what I mean? And it took us, we were only young lads and it took us a long, long time to figure out like this guy is not our friend. Like he's keeping us around basically um, by kind of trying to impress us with his money and like, but he expects this 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 loyalty to him, you know what I mean? And that exact same person could not let a grudge go. And he could, like, if he had something to say, he might bottle it up and he might try and stop himself for a while, but eventually that would come out. And that's the streak that's in Punk as well. Like, he he had clearly harbored that, that kind of ill feeling towards Hangman Page. And instead of just going to him in private and saying, look, that wasn't cool. Don't do that again. Or even going to him in private and even having a row in private with him or whatever needs to be done to settle it in private. He keeps it inside. He chooses the moment where he's won the title. And I think maybe there was, I think he knew as well. He was sitting at that table going, I fucked my, I fucked my arm again. I'm not going to wrestle here for 
God knows how many months. I know my arm is fucked. And I think that was the kind of the final small little straw where he just said, all this stuff I've been building up about all these people in this company, I'm just going to spit it all out because I can't wrestle anyway. And that's the that's the self-destructive side. It's exactly the same as Roy Keane. Could could not keep his grievances in Saipan to himself. That, that it's just not it's just not possible for people like that to swallow things down and to try and reconcile it in his own head. They just have to say it. And like, if this is the end of CM Punk in AEW, and like, I would imagine if, if it is the end of him in AEW, it's probably the end of him as an active wrestler because I, I don't see him going back to WWE. I just, just do not see any circumstance where he'd do that. Japan has never held any interest for him. Like he he had, I'm sure he had plenty of opportunities to go to Japan when he'd left WWE. It's never been his style, Ben, I'm sure it hasn't. Like he's never been one of these guys who talk about, I'd like to be in a G1. That's he, He's an American wrestler, like doing Still G1s and that kind of thing isn't. You know, and some of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I, I just, I just don't see him ending up in Japan. I don't see there being indies that could even afford him to be perfectly honest about it. So, if he's done with AEW, I think that's it in wrestling. And in a way, was the CM Punk story in wrestling ever going to have a nice, happy ending where he did a run in a company and had, you know, got on great with everybody for three or four years, won his titles, elevated the young talent? I just don't think that was ever going to be the CM Punk story. I think, I think ending in a blaze of recriminations and rows and ill feeling was possibly always the way it was going to end for CM Punk, unfortunately. That's that's just who he is, and that's just what he does, unfortunately, you know. What's, what's the argument to keep him now? This is, like, one of the things. Again, I'm a massive, massive CM Punk fan, but mm-hmm. why why would you keep him now? Like, when you look at, you know, um, I don't know, look at the buy rate of this pay-per-view, which obviously is on, you know, looking at the way TV... I know he's obviously he's only just come back, and there's been a small uplift in, in, in ratings on a week-to-week basis, but year on year, the ratings are down double-digit, you know, versus the, the same quarter last year is... He's obviously toxic in the dressing room. He's not liked by a massive proportion of your roster. Um, his body clearly can't hack it anymore. You know, he's, so it's uh, so problem, yeah. you, you, you cannot rely on him. You can't put a belt on him. You can't rely on him to have a top level program or something like that because he's he's going to get get injured again. So if you keep him around, he's someone that you may be just bringing in as an attraction occasionally to so just pop a pop a rating now and again. Is it worth the hassle? Is it worth the money? Like, is it worth the disharmony? Is, you know, there's, there's, you know, as much as I, you know, love CM Punk the wrestler, I find it hard to make an argument not to just cut and run. I think if Khan just gets shot of him altogether and tries to bring a bit of harmony back to the to the dressing room, the longevity of his company is probably going to be better and it's going to make him look stronger, like he's took a stand. And But mm. I'm thinking... Has he let it drift too much now? Kind of thing that yeah. now it looks like it, yeah. it looks too reactive and too reactionary and things like that. Like I don't, I don't know. He should have, for me, it should have been a very decisive cut ties. And that's one of the things with with Khan is he does seem indecisive. He seems indecisive in his booking. He, mm. <laughs> things drag too long. He put he can't he can't cut a bloody showdown to be eight matches. He's got to put double that on in things. Yeah. It feels to me like almost like every part of his business there's insight in indecisiveness that's 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 built in there which is ultimately a bit damaging really so like but yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm of the view of just cut just cut and run just get rid of him now because I, I don't see any value i, I really don't so at this point in time it's like there's been no 
announcement of what's happened. There's no like official suspension in place or anything along those lines. There's been a meeting on Zoom, as far as we know, with him, Ace Steel. It was probably putting fucking holes in the wall or something like that. He was doing that <laughs> at the same time. And um and and Tony Khan. Um but this is a yeah, like I don't know. I mean <laughs> I kind of get it, it, what the exact tangible business metrics for him to stay like it's about how much he's on isn't it at this point in time what happens if you free that up but like I mentioned last week if those television negotiations you can't look like a company in crisis that can't manage its roster that the reputation is like Gareth said like he's a soft touch ultimately and he'll get in there and he is acting like a kind of, like there needs to be this is where the infrastructure comes in it's whether or not is now Tony Schiavone kind of like the go-to guy at this point in time? Which I know that sounds nuts if you're looking at this from like, I don't know, 2019 or nine, 2019 eyes. But like in terms of how many other figures has he got to go to who have been around in wrestling a long time, but also at the same time, like compared to like Jim Ross, he actually enjoys the product and everything else. It's a lot to put onto him to expect him to do. And I like Tony Schiavone, but I don't know if anyone's up to it in terms of managing this particular set of egos. I think that's, and like, how is this going to work from there on in? I think there's just stuff around the, the kind of infrastructure of the company, which proves it isn't there. Like, if anything, we learned the idea that Tony Garner doing far too much, yeah. far, far, far too much. And he needs to remove himself almost like on a personal level and look at it with his analytical eyes and just sort of go, okay, what is the state of play here? Who is the people, who are the people I need to kind of cut loose on? He's he's had his you know in terms Gareth mentions about his booking, but also the talent recruitment and signing up a lot of people because you can like mm. me on Football Manager basically <laughs> going berserk and then you can't play them all, so you end up with unhappy players, which ends up yeah. in an unhappy dressing room. He, the problem with Tony Khan is though, like I, we can make all these arguments. I don't think he is gonna cut ties with Punk. I really I'm at that point now. Unless I guess a surprise over the next couple of it, as Will points mm. out, you know. It's come up in the chat, you know, everyone involved in the fight has suspended pending investigation, although we've not actually heard that formally about Punk or Ray Steel. This eight month, nine months, or whatever it is Punk's gonna gonna get out, it gives it time to drift and it gives Tony Khan time to be indecisive and time to kind of, you know, not make that that big call of of releasing Punk. Because I don't think I don't think he wants to. I think reading into the psychology of it and I think what a lot of Wade Keller's reporting on this, you know, you can you can see the shift in AEW. You know, when it started, he was all about Cody and the books and Kenny, and they were his, you know, favorite toys, and they were the people he favored. And then, as time has moved on, you know, the uh, the bigger stars, you know, the Moxleys, the like like Gareth said earlier, Jericho's definitely got his his way. You can see that by you know the product and the feuds that man gets to have. You know, he's certainly got a got Tony Khan's ear probably more than the books and Kenny do at this point. Punk has become his guy. You can see it when they, even when they're sat next to each other and it's awkward. I think he's going to make any case he can to try and keep CM Punk in the company. And th- there is a you know as much as maybe I'm a Punk fanboy, you know as much as I'll you know I'll give out about you know what he's done and the fact that he's blown things up and that he is at fault. And as much as there's a part of me that wishes and knows this won't be true, Jamesy, that maybe he's gone home and he's realised, ah, oh, fuck, you know, what have I done? You know, I've ruined a good thing. <laughs> That's the least CM Punk thing in the world, by the way. Unless unless AJ yeah. is a miracle worker and can get in his ear and be like, <laughs> you realise, like, go and apologise, you know, you realise what you did to Tony Khan. That day's probably not coming, but 
Yeah, I just don't think Tony Khan's got it in to make that kind of call. And I don't know. I'm not as black and white. I know you aren't black and white, but as Gareth and JP, as far as the business metrics go, yes, things are, are down year on year. But, you know, we got the numbers to say. CM Punk's the biggest draw in the company. Like, you look, the normal before Punk came in for pay-per-view was 100,000. The normal became 150,000. And mm. yes, this pay-per-view is down. And Tony Khan claims, claims it's WWE's fault. It's not. You know, we, we probably should inspect what the the cause is behind that and yes maybe there there are diminishing returns but you know i would bet whatever he's paid cm punk at least on a monetary level you know it's been paid back immediately with you know merchandise and those extra pay-per-view buys and you know those extra bits of tv ratings even look at this week you know 1.2 million to kick off you know the the it was like a sliding scale the ratings this week it was like mm. a massive slope went down to but when I was like eight hundred thousand for the for the main event yeah. stuff, yeah, eighty one, like, yeah. The interest was in you know what what's happened here and the real life stuff. I think there's there's definitely metrics in his favor, and if it was purely a monetary decision, I think there's every argument to keep keep Punk. It's just is it you know it's this other stuff, isn't it? It's it's whether he's is it worth it? it? He's whether he's worth mm. it with with the other side of things, but. I could see Tony Khan taking his side over the books. For all we know, the books in Kenny might be on the way anyway. There was that report this week that the mm. books are sending. Don't know how true it was, you know, sending feelers to WWE, you know, that theirs and Kenny's contracts are up. You know, I would have said a couple, would have said a year ago, in a million years they're not leaving. After Cody, after all this, it might turn out that that ends up being the case and to his detriment even in some ways, um, Tony Khan, back CM Punk. And the, the other side of it is like... Um, we're sitting here talking about will CM Punk keep his job? Will Tony can? <laughs> it's it's very 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 likely that the opposite is actually happening at the moment, and CM Punk has told him fuck off and never coming back to this place again. And maybe Tony Khan is actually trying to, is stalling because he wants to try and convince CM Punk to come back. You know what I mean? Like we're like I don't think it's just as black and white as CM Punk is worried about losing his job. You know how fucking awkward he is, Benno, and you know how. You know how self-destructive he is in his in his, you know, being so adamant that he's right. There's a chance that out of pure stubbornness and pig-headedness, that even if Tony Khan went to him and said, "Look, will you come back?" CM Punk might say no anyway. Just the pure pig-headedness of the man alone might mean that that's the end of it anyway. You know, so it's not just will they want him back; it's whether he wants to come back because um, he's just so awkward and so contrary that. That could just as easily the be books, what happens, you know. The Bucks and Kenny might not want to come back. You know, they might look, you know, like you guys pointed out, they might look at just, you know, the, where their position is now and look looking at the, you know, mm. their boss sitting there, like you said, almost nodding along at points in an agreement point, not defending them, mm. you know, not being like, well, hang on, you know, let's get back to the pay-per-view or hang on, let's, you know, you know, they've done a lot for the company type of thing. Like, we don't know how. You know, how, how pissed off are they? You know, uh, how much has that made their mind up about their position in the company? Um, you know, it, it could it could really go either way at this point, depending. You know, I think I think what's happening right now is the buying time. This long investigation into the exacts of of what happened. You know, whether the door was truly super kicked down and whether you know Kenny Omega really was trying to save a dog and all of that stuff and the punk injury. It's just pure. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're getting a resolution to this anytime soon. And I don't like honestly, I like I don't think the fight is that important. Oh. Like the the amount of fights that must happen back, it's the same as training ground. If you hear about training ground fights in football all the time, and the amount of hand wringing you hear, and oh, they'll have to sell that player now because he had a fight with the right back, and it's like no, like fights, like wrestling is the most macho 
ego-driven business of all time. I would imagine there are fights backstage regularly on wrestling shows and we just don't hear about most of them you know what i mean and like the, the idea that the investigation of the fight is going to resolve this i think the fight is is a very small part of it it's it's like you said gareth it, it's cm punk sitting there in front of the world's media and completely undermining his boss while his boss sat there beside him and said nothing and nodded his head that that's the big issue and that's the thing that ultimately they have to solve you know what i mean i think the suspension for the books is it nothing you know what i mean that's just mm. You shouldn't be fighting, and people found out about it, so we have to do something. That's a minor side issue, and it's the funny part of it. You know, the idea of Kenny going to save the dog, and did the, the, the young bucks did they knock politely on the door, which is one side of it, or did they kick the door in? You know, did, did you know? Uh, you know, that, that's that's a funny part of it, but I really think it's a bit of a distraction. The main issue, as Garrett said, is a guy going on in front of the world with, with the cameras on him and completely undermining his boss and all the decisions he's made, and a load of his coworkers as well, and that's the problem. And the thing is, if he does, you know, as you say there, Benno, like he, if he does attach himself to the to to the punk wagon, like this is where the you know the the implosion comes because you know one thing as as much as punks boost the audience, what you can't ignore is the fact that the company was built on the back of the books and Kenny, like it, and a lot of that a lot of that audience, a lot of that audience are massively pissed off at CM Punk, and they're massively and it and not in a not in a heel way, not in a you know not in a wrestling heel way. They're in a you know these modern wrestling mm-hmm. fans. They're in like you've destroyed our thing. You've made our favorites unhappy backstage. Like we don't, you know, we don't like you. And if mm-hmm. if that drives Omega and, and the books away, does that does that? I don't know. Does that drive four hundred thousand people from saying I'm not asked anymore? I'm going to go and watch the books and Kenny on SmackDown instead, or or, or you know that you, you think you're, you're almost trying to think of it as like that that pie as a whole, and then you think like. What weight does that punk slice have? Like, if it's if it's suddenly you, you you lose the elite, suddenly if you lose the people who are you know pillars of the company at various levels because of their allegiance to Kenny and the books and mm. things like that, suddenly you go well. Actually, by sticking with punk there, you're cutting out maybe you know you may be cutting out fifty percent of what the company's built on. Or, or, you know, you know, and and mm. is it rectifiable? Maybe, but would you want to? Again, would you want to pin your wagon to a company that's like led by CM Punk and got rid of a certain harmonious element of the dressing room who've delivered for you consistently for a number of years and put a lot of fucking money on the table for you as well? Like, oh, I think I know. I think I'd be, I'd be going for the keep everybody happy route. And you know, that's again, you say I'm a fucking huge CM Punk fan. I've been desperate for him to return, but. Mm-hmm. Not at the detriment to the alternative, com- you know, alternative mm. wrestling business. It's probably kept me watching wrestling for the last three years and not waning as a wrestling fan altogether. The Cody it's- argument, isn't it? It's like at the, the time that happened, that was one of my kind of big takeaways on it. Was like, you know, you whatever we can say about the book and a Cody and that it's monetarily a better better move for him. And at, at the point it got to, you know, you can argue why it was a, a good move for AW to just to just let him go. 
but you couldn't get away from the fact that was an EVP. That was someone who's like the story of the company changes. You know, the fact that this company was built on those guys, that 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 story of it being a it was a cause, wasn't it? As much as it was a wrestling promotion being built. And like you took Cody away and I was like, oh that kind of poisons the well of that of that great story. You know, it's not quite a good story anymore. You take the books and Kenny out of it as well, you know. And Tony Khan might think, you know, we're past that point, you know. Now we got, you know, now mm. it, it it does feel a little bit like that. Like he was never really that big a fan of Kenny in the books and Cody. Like is is he, he used them to start a wrestling promotion, but you know, he once he got his real toys, you know, once he got his Punk and he got his Brian and he got his, you know, his NXT castoffs that he uh, that he loves so much, you know, it kind of almost felt like his his allegiance moved on as well but no totally get what you're saying gareth you're stripping away at what the what the company is and what it's built Mm. on and what yeah there's a big chunk of that fan base that aren't going to be happy either way but at the same time you know might be playing slightly devil's advocate there's there's plenty of blame for them as well they are evps and in terms they are evps that's what makes this different that's where i'm a bit more harsher on the fight i would say jp than maybe you know what you're saying the fact that they're they're putting themselves at legal risk as will put in the chat earlier on aren't they are they really evps that's the thing i think this has been the wake-up call hasn't it they haven't been for a long time if they ever but then it also comes into like is is the current like way of booking and everything like just moving them out of the way for a little bit in terms of trying to like kind of obviously like restructure what the dressing room was there was another talent meeting except this time it was like Moxley Danielson and Jericho heading it up which kind of makes sense between the three of them Um, yeah (laughs) it is exactly Mm. um but at the same time like I mean if you're like Brian Danielson do you want to sign a new contract here like they're the things that i think become really interesting decisions in a without in a wwe without vince because you don't know really what level you the potential is for it feels like really for anyone it's, it's more open than it has been it's not vince's innate desire to go to a body guy fundamentally do you look at AEW and think nah, this place is going to turn into a shit show and you you know all familiar with the tales of wcw and everything else is it because this is how it starts now, I'm not calling about like it's the death of AEW, but it's these kind of like, this is where the problems set in and everything else. And you end up very sort of ego driven backstage. So they have to, he ha- like obviously has to be seen to be punishing the bunk, the Bucks and Kenny Omega, but they've been responsible for this kind of effectively like very gossipy nature to AEW. It feels like they have always sort of been at the heart of it and Jericho as well. And like they've been doing this for time in memoriam to the likes of Dave Meltzer and the, and the wrestling press, he says in inverted commas. Um, yeah. So like I, I, you can't, they can't go without blame as well. And I don't know if AEW is a worse place for not having them around short term, particularly with the tag divisions and the women's divisions and how they booked and that they're nominally in charge of that. But you would argue that, for the most part, they're, they're bad at it. <laughs> think, no, they're not any good at it. I think there's a bigger point to be made. Like I thought you'd like Tom Martin made it on his show this week. Like, have the books really translated as great like TV, not TV wrestlers, but you know, as far as being presented on TV, 
has that act 100% work? Has Kenny, have they ever been as good as the sum, some of their parts, is the counterpoint? You know, obviously there is, of course, the fact that, as Gareth makes the point, that companies built off them, you know, that, that that base level that AW started with and those towns they were going to at the start and drawing fans, that's all the elite. You know, that that is all baked in. Mm-hmm. But they've never, I don't think they've ever, I don't know, it's not that, they've just never quite, achieved you think what what they what they could be you know kenny omega is a serious top line guy i don't think that's really happened in it i think they, they just constantly seem to be in their own way as far as like getting the most out of them you know in this promotion so far to the point where if they did leave and they walked off it that'd be a you know a travesty in itself that that never happened but equally i could see tony Khan being annoyed with that jamesy that like yeah there's only you know we haven't quite you know got the 100 110 percent that you would uh you would hope I think that's more harsh on the books than it is on Kenny. Like, I, I really feel Kenny Omega is just not a US TV wrestler. And, like, I, I think it's highly significant that Kenny Omega has been photographed today in Japan. Like, the minute mm-hmm. the minute he wants to get away from everything, he goes back to his happy... I think his happy place is in Japan. And I, I think Kenny Omega, given the choice, where would you like to have, like, when AEW started... If you, if you said to Kenny Omega, forget about the money involved, forget about everything else, where would you like to wrestle for the rest of your career, in America or Japan? I think Kenny Omega would choose Japan every day of the week. And I know he had certain fallings out with, with the new Japan. I think Kenny Omega would happily go to DDT and go back there and wrestle for the rest of his career. And he'd be very happy. And that's the culture and environment that he is most at home and most comfortable. Um, he looked like the guy in New Japan. He felt like the guy, properly the guy in New Japan when he was the top guy there. Um, he has never felt to me like a proper US TV wrestler. There has always been something off with his act. I think there's a certain awkwardness about it. Like he, he cannot cut a live promo properly. Or I, I just, I've never seen it from him. Like I have never seen him take a live mic on a US TV show and convince me that he's a top guy in that environment. Um, there's a reason they bring in Don Callis to talk for him. There's a reason they surround him with people. Um, I think the books are much more comfortable on TV. I think they're, they're you know, their cocky, arrogant act. I think their promos are quite good. Um, I've always kind of thought they belong on you. I, I think their ultimate, their, I, I don't think Kenny Omega's ultimate end point was ever being a top TV star in wrestling in the US. I just don't think that's for him. Um, whereas I do think the ultimate end point is for the books to end up on, you know, to do all their indie run, to go to Japan and make their name there and come back and ultimately end up on TV. And I think if they went to SmackDown, I think they do a very good job there. Um, but, but whether a tag team in 2022, um, you know, from a business point of view, are important enough to keep around when maybe things, you know, is a tag team you know, tag teams are not draws anymore. You know what I mean? They're just not money-drawing acts. So the business reason to keep the books around is tenuous enough, I would say. You know what I mean? Like, is there much evidence of viewerships going up when the books wrestle? Is there much evidence of them being Same. the reason? Those six-man yeah. Brands, like Yeah. Is, 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 there, is there evidence of them being the reason people have bought pay-per-views in the past? Maybe that match against... Hangman and um, Kenny. Kenny, maybe they sold that show on the basis of them, but I don't see them as a huge business maker, business difference maker, you know. So, um, yeah, 
It's a strange one, but but I do think this decision and how Khan handles this will ultimately define the long-term future of AEW, and he has to get it right. Because like the, the, the big overriding thing that all the on all the reports was there's massive heat on CM Punk at the moment in the locker room. And the, the other question I would have is, if Kenny Omega showed up on Dynamite on Wednesday night and came out with a live mic, would at this point, and like we have to trust that the live crowd there knows about all this. I think at this stage, we have to take mm. it that, that, the, that the people who go to AW shows are reading the same stuff as us and listening to the same podcasts as us. Would CM Punk be cheered or booed on Wednesday if he came out with a microphone? Like, has he hurt his... And if the Bucks and Kenny came out, like, who would the hardcore AEW fan base actually side with in this? Because I think it's the Bucks and Kenny yeah. and not CM Punk. We're the older guys. We're, we're, we're kind of more inclined to just because of our affection for him to kind of give Punk more give Punk more leeway. But the hardcore AEW fan base that have been there from day one, I think they fully side with the Bucks and Kenny. I think they would be furious if as a result of this, the elite are no longer in a promotion that's literally called All Elite Wrestling. You know? And from that point about the crowd, I mean, this week's Dynamite, you know, when he, he opened the show and Tony Khan came on screen, okay. who'd quite clearly been siding with CM Punk in the or, or yeah. had, had let him run it run the way he did in that press conference. He got booed. He got booed mm-hmm. massively at the start yeah. of that show when Tony Khan's face came on screen. And I think that answers the question of like who would be cheered in, in, cheered in that, that, that scenario. I, you know, you look at the reaction MJF got, who'd obviously finished that pay-per-view in opposition to to, to, to CM Punk at the, yeah. at the start of that show. I think we've got a very, very clear picture of how the, the core AW fan base is thinking, uh, thinking right now. And um, again, I, th- I think it kind of all lends it you know lends itself to this idea of got to tread carefully because there's you know the, the it could be a company built on sand if you you know you you, you fuck off the people who the core fan base uh invested in for over a longer longer period of time and i think that was the issue with the writing this week like we were talking about this on the weekend show that the reason it started like very high around 1.2 million people wanted to see what the fallout was and then they realized that you know, and we're talking about Tony Khan's management style here, that there really was no response. It was almost like, no, it's not really happening. There's a tournament. I'm not going to tell you why there's a tournament. I'm not even going to mention the name of, of like, you know, even talk about it. It's just like, there's another tournament. What do you fucking do? There's a why um, in the day, so let's have a tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was looking at that funny he was made up. Yes. Yeah. Let's do another one. He got up. He noticed that water is wet. Take up three weeks. blue. And, <laughs> yeah, you create exactly. another belt. You'd be in heaven then. <laughs> <laughs> the locker room leader title would be the next one now. The locker room leader, champion of AEW. <laughs> so, sorry, but that just leads it into into me there. Just picking up on what some of what James was talking about there, though, about the about Kenny and about the books, and I think a big part of that has been the booking. You know, we've we've looked at you know we've obviously obsessed in the detail in the past of like the way that Khan's book titles and the way that when people have won them, the the way that they haven't necessarily been, you know, come out of it bigger. We've 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 talked about some of them main events that Kenny had that were just felt like just thrown together and things, as opposed to a big meaty feud in which to build Omega as a bigger a, a bigger star there as as well. I think there's I think there's just booking elements there as well, which which you know lead into it. And again, it reared its head for me with this episode of Dynamite. With it been here we go. Here's a Here's another tournament, lads, and uh, let's just quickly rush through something right at the start and just get to the tournament brackets. And you know, to, you know, no, no real 
substance description why no trying to do something a bit different or or, or anything like that it's just one dimensional and you know not necessarily as well thought out and and you know i know they're reacting and they're trying to put the best fist of a scenario and things like that but i mean i don't know again it's just falling back on the same tropes and just um just um not necessarily painting people in the in in the light that they uh they could be um another uh, another concern i have about mr cow mm. yeah is I mean, he the biggest problem they have Tony Khan. Is, is is Tony Khan the actual like all these little like in my experience when things go wrong little cracks appear here and there I see it in work sometimes when something goes wrong you can trace back in the weeks before oh well this didn't happen and this didn't happen and somebody didn't do this or somebody forgot to do this um, and when you take back from it you can usually figure out who is actually the problem and who's the overriding issue like does a lot of this stem from a massively bloated roster which is a common theme on this podcast for many just randomly signing people over and over and over again and filling it with egos and people that you then have nothing for um poor booking i think that like as i said i have fallen off with like i i i watched dynamite this week because i knew i was coming on here and because i was interested in what the fallout from the whole press conference was i'm four or five weeks behind in dynamite because of that because the booking just exasperates me so much. It's it's just tournament after tournament after tournament. It's 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 heating. It's we can probably talk about this a bit more when we get to dynamite. I think he's really good at getting people over. Look at Wardlow, um, how he got to the point where Wardlow was so hot, and then he gets to the point where he crowns that person in some way. Like he gets Wardlow away from MJF, and they do the angle where he costs him that costs. MJF the punk match he does that brilliantly he's no fucking clue what to do next and you end up in, in a feud with with smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese that goes on for too long and you end up in a ridiculous match where he's wrestling 20 security guards he seems to be really good at getting people over and he hasn't a fucking clue what to do with them next Ricky Starks recently mm. um, the last really good thing that I enjoyed on AEW was that that whole angle they did with Ricky Starks where they got him away from Team Taz and they split him up with, with Powerhouse Hobbs. The, the match with, you know, the match with Hook, everything about that, the match with Danhausen that turned into the match with Hook and then turned into the really good promo he cut and then Willie Hobbs turning on him. And brilliant. Like one of the best angles I think they've done in a long time. And I'm sitting there going, here we fucking go with Ricky Starks. Let's push this guy to the moon. He's cutting promos. He's back able to wrestle regularly. Let's go. And what do we do? We end up we end up with a feud with fucking what's his name? QT Marshall's fucking yeah. bunch of jobbers. It happens yeah, over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, like the hardest <laughs> thing at wrestling is the hardest thing at wrestling is to get people over. And Khan is actually able to do that. He's able to get people to build a connection with the crowd. But it's like he doesn't then plan the next six months afterwards. He's no idea what to do with people then. We've seen it happen with so many title reigns where I, I can see it happening again now at the acclaimed. I think mm. they'll win the titles at, at Arthur Ashe, but Tony Khan will have no idea what to do for the next six months with the acclaimed. He, he'll kind of jump on the crowd reaction and go, oh, you better strike where the iron is hot here. They're so over. They're so beloved. Let's put the belts on them. And then in, about a month into their title reign, we'll be sitting here going, why are they feuding with some jobbers? Why aren't they having a feud with somebody worthwhile? You know what I mean? And that's hurting the promotion so much, you know? So I'm very low on Khan as, as, as a booker. 
and 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 like you said, Gareth, quite low on him as as a leader in general based on his performance lately. I just I, I just think he's a people pleaser. And I think when you've got a roster that big with so many egos, you can't please people. And the best thing he could do is get himself a number two who's a proper hatchet man. Like if he really is too nice to have the difficult conversations with people, get yourself a Nick Can or get yourself somebody who's quite happy to go into somebody and say, your contract is up in four weeks and you're done and you're gone. And that's the end yeah. of it. You know, or, or I don't have anything for you for six months. So would you like to go on an excursion to Japan? And we'll bring you back in six months time we'll have something for you then and actually properly deal with this roster give them things to do and focus on a core and go back like 15 fucking match pay-per-views like come on yeah that is just that was grand back in the wwf days in the 80s when there were matches going for three minutes that's fine you can do 15 match pay-per-views and still have it done in three hours perfect but the way he books matches and the way he wants everything to be a great match and everybody to have time in the ring it's nonsense. Everything's equal, absolute yeah. nonsense. It's communist booking. You know, it's like... He's a people pleaser. He wants... To, and your boss cannot be... You cannot be a people pleaser if you want to run a proper business or a proper company. You have to be a dick and you have to have a very clear idea of what you want and you have to expect people to fall in line with it or piss off, you know? And what I like about Tony Khan and what he gives... What he gives me is, you know... It's like the, the whole Forbidden Door conversation. How much did we moan about the build to that? But then the show happened, mm. and at the end of the day, it was the best wrestlers in the world who were all in there having matches with each other, and they were mm. good. It's like that six man from you know the other week with the uh, Omega and the Bucks against Osprey's team. Like, mm. didn't really in my mind that didn't make sense booking wise, but the match itself was great, and I get all of these great individual matches, these great individual segments that I love. It's the other stuff around it that kind of I lose my mind with, and I'm almost coming to the point where it's like it's not even worth me analyzing it because clearly I don't think along mm. the same lines as Tony Khan does. But as Will says here, I, I honestly think, and I was going to make this point, I think me and Will are in, are in sync tonight. I think Malachi Black's kind of the uh, the, the better poster child for this because is it a negative that he's left now? No, if anything, anyone leaving outside of like again, Punk in the books, who there's arguments both ways, like. AW just basically needs to have less wrestlers, so I'm not going to cry any tears about Malachi Black. But if you look at him as and his run, you know Will's right in what he says. You know he came in, had a great debut, had the Cody feud, and he did things in the time he was in the company. He was on TV, he was on Rampage, he was often on TV with you know eight other people in a random six man feud or whatever he was doing. He was around, he was doing things, but he was never doing anything that felt important. He was on a show that with a roster that is so bloated that there isn't the room for him to move up and do anything that's important. He's on that same tra- treadmill as Andrade and Miro and all of those other guys who are in this weird, mushy middle of, a- of AEW. But then at the end of it, when he leaves it, you're like, oh, that's just like the biggest travesty in the world. You know, to be honest, yeah, they probably could do with one less person. I'm probably not going to be thinking mm. about him in, in a couple of months, you know, because he is one of 200. You know? So it is, it kind of is what it is. But I think it sums up everything about like the, the philosophy of the company and what, you know, has changed since Black came in. When him and Andrade were signed, we were all clamoring for it because it was still a bare bones to a point company coming off COVID. Like, mm. At this point, like, yeah, there's no, whatever, okay, who's next in line? You know, it's conveyor belt booking. But the thing with him is, is, is like, it's almost like the dirty secret with him is that he's actually just bang average him. It's just a, is a look, is a great look, is a, you know, is a is a great entrance and things like that. He, but, you know, the reality is, is, you know, he's had, he's had a 
couple of decent runs there in, in, in different places. The best is looked is on NXT when he's going out killing people with a black mask in like <laughs> a matter of seconds and things. And you can't just have a guy like that just killing people constantly week in, week out forever. They need to be able to like step it up and show it. And he, you know, he had opportunities, main roster WWE, not tons, but he did have them. He's had opportunities here where he's been put in certain matches and he's just no better than all the lads that you listed there. And he's, you know, consequently, he can leave tomorrow, and who gives a fuck? Nobody at all. I think there's more upside in um, Brody King, to be, to, to be honest, as, a, as, yeah. as, as someone in terms of the way they've came across on TV in the last last two six months. Two he months. might get a singles match one day. And the contract is a Ring of Honor as well. Further complicates it. He's bought this whole other brand. He's got people signed to it. And they've got nowhere to wrestle other than the three hours of TV that he has, which is patently not enough for the roster he has. But he's also wanting to write all of this. And when that story came out, you're like, oh, I hope to God that isn't true. And then he says it himself. So you, you think, right, the, that's when you need your like old experienced head in your ear. That's when, you know, I've said it before, that's when the likes of a Jim Ross could kind of like be proved that you'd like worth his salt backstage. But, he isn't the same Jim Ross, apparently, yeah, like, uh, at this point in time. As far as I'm aware, as a number two, I think it is now like sort of Tony Schiavone. As like, he's like head of talent relations, effectively. And but he's then, not Hatchet we, Man. That's <laughs> it. Tony, like the nicest yeah. man in the world. He's not the Hatchet Man that Tony can needs, you know? That's it. Is he going to be able to deliver the really brutal truths? I'd be mm. very, very surprised. You need a bastard in there. Well, yeah, and it totally like lends to that. And again, you know, we're never going to fucking be praising Vince McMahon much. Uh, but you know, you only have to look at where, you know, he delegated his booking and things to Pat Patterson. You know, like Monsoon was in there. I love certain elements of it. You know, those other mm-hmm. was it. You know, yeah, I don't know. Was it Chief J Strongbow? Was his eyes and his ears on yeah. the road and things like that as well at the house shows and things? And mm-hmm. you know, and we've talked on here. Months and months and months ago, about the amount of that Tony Khan's, you know, try to uh, you know take on board. Think how much he's taken on board that he's not actually really that experienced with. Like, mm. remember that time Tony Khan built up a company from from zero pounds on his own back and like made it into a success. No, never happened. Took all his dad's money. He did it at the Jags. He did it at Fulham. He did it here. He did it at, like when he's bought analytics companies. That's not Tony Khan who's done that. It's just. It's like me or you or any of us for if suddenly our dads had billions of pounds in the bank and it's like, oh yeah, I, I like football, let's buy a football team, let's I like wrestling, let's do this. From a booking side, he's, there's been positives about his, his booking. Obviously he's had, you know, observer awards for Booker of the Year and things. You look at the best stuff that that is booked in AEW, and I think it's it's the individuals. You look you look at the best feuds and it's like you know, are you telling me that that punk, you know, a couple of them punk feuds weren't as good as they were because punk's involved and he's the one mm. putting the nuance and detail involved. You know, we're not seeing that on the reg from from Khan. And likewise, when you've got your mocks or you've got your Jericho in there for his, you know, some of it's good, some of it's bad with Jericho and things, you can t- you can literally tell when somebody's fingerprints is all over something and then you don't see it in other areas. So you know it's not Khan. So he hasn't got that side from the booking standpoint. He clearly doesn't have it from the strong leadership presence standpoint as well. Like 
again, I, I strip it all back. I'm like, what's he, what's he bringing apart from his dad's money? Like, and his enthusiasm for wrestling? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's big question marks in a lot of areas. And this is where you maybe get, you need to, you know, is I'm not to say let's write cans of busted flush and let's, you know, get, get things out. But he needs to be able to look at situations like this, learn from them and pivot in the right direction. And to be fair to the bloke, he has done that in the past. Like mm. when he's, you know, he did get a grip of it when all that dark order shite and, you know, he changed and he came to the floor a bit more and he, and, and that was a positive change. He has done it in other instances. And like, clearly this is a moment in time now where, I think the company's on a seesaw here and based on all of this that's happened, it could massively, you know, go in, go in a negative direction or if he does things the, the right way, he can steady the ship and build from, from here what is a solid base that is, is grown now. But he definitely needs to get some people in there around him who are not trying to be in matches themselves and take the biggest slice of money. You need some people he can trust alongside him. You know, if Tony Schiavone is one of them, bring an experience from a business, sorry, from a TV standpoint, from being in, in amongst all that, great. But yeah, he needs that hatchet, man. He needs, he needs some bookers. He needs some people in there who he's going to like, you know, let the reins go and, you know, go, it may be oversee things and just just bring a bit of continuity to the, to the product. And, you know, how many times have we said, you know, oh, that happened twice on the same show, that exact same turn happened on the same yeah. show, or that exact same, you know, angle almost happened on the search of the show. Just that, you know, he's, he clearly can't do it all himself. And, you know, if, if, if he doesn't learn from this experience and this past six months where his booking went to shit in the run-up to Forbidden Door – too many people on the roster trying to do too many things in too, in too many pies. I, I, I worry about, you know, what the company looks like in 12 months' time, 18 months' time. I really, really do. I don't think he ever got it back from Forbidden Door. I think that that's the point where it really starts to slide for me. I was really pissed off with the build-up to that pay-per-view. Like you said, Benno, hands up, great pay-per-view. But mm. Like, it should be a great pay-per-view. Look at the fucking people on it. Like, how can that not be a good pay-per-view? And it could have it could have been just as good a pay-per-view if they just announced all those matches six weeks before and not done all the stupid angles before it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and I, I everything you said there, Garrett, like like the it just the things that annoy me, like like the, like the things the, the the biggest thing that we always say about WWE is that nothing matters. And that's the main criticism. We were talking about this the other night on, on the Grappy Hour, Benno, about what's the one thing that they do badly in WWE is that nothing matters in that mm. company. And we're rap- and like what we always said that was good about AEW was that, well, this is a company where actually it matters when somebody beats somebody and wins and losses matter. And as time goes on, things are starting like, the titles don't matter anymore in that mm. company. The tag titles aren't worth a shite anymore. The women's title isn't worth a shite anymore. They've brought in trios titles that have never meant anything in any company they've ever been used in. And they they just brought them in because they've, they've so many people on the roster that it will be handy to put six people in a match in a pay-per-view for these titles. And that keep that keeps them busy for a while. It's a way of keeping people busy. So all these titles, you've like an ROH title, an ROH Pure title, an ROH TV title, an ROH Women's title, all been thrown into the mix as well. So you've got dozens of championships floating around. Not many of them feel important anymore. Their world title has taken a big hit in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Now, I know some of that is through injury, but like like I said, I didn't even bother to find out who won the main event 
until lunchtime on Monday because of the other stuff that was going on. That title's credibility, just through all this other stuff that has happened, has never been lower at the moment than it is now. And wins and losses. You've got Jericho beating Daniel Bryan. You've got Daniel Garcia beating Daniel Bryan. You know, you have important people that you should be keeping special that aren't special. All these stables. There's no single stars anymore. Malachi Black failed mainly because he was stuck in a stable. He stopped being, he was quite special when he was on his own and he was this lone wolf character that was kicking people's heads off. And he had that feud with Cody that was actually quite good. And then he ended up in a stable. Pac doesn't feel important anymore because he's stuck in a stable with the feckin' Lucha Bros, which was always a weird kind of a fucking team to put together anyway. You know what I mean? So all these guys who could be stars, the you know, for all the great things about them, the, the regal stable, like, I don't know. I think I, they're you won't great. dignify it with its given name, will you, James? I blanked on the name of it, Blackpool Combat Club. I was like, what the hell is it called? Um, <laughs> is that the best use of the greatest wrestler of all time to be in the stable? Is that the best use of the best wrestler in the world at the moment, John Moxley, for them both to be in the one stable and then throw Cesaro in the mix as well? You know what I mean? And it's like you're diluting all your stars and you're making them feel less and less and less special. And like, even for me, the biggest Brian Danielson fan in the world, I'm not rushing out to watch his matches anymore. Before, like, I would be there. Fucking give me anything from Daniel Bryan. Give me a five-minute TV match and I'll watch it, no problem. And now, like, I'm taking two or three weeks to even go and watch a Daniel Garcia match, which to me should have, would have been a dream match a year ago. You know what I mean? Everybody is starting to feel less and less special in his company. They're burning off big matches. Like, this, this new tournament, you're burning off Sammy Guevara against Darby Allen in 10 minutes on Rampage. That's a big, I know it's happened before, but that should be one of your legacy rivalries in that company. That should be special every single time it happens. And it's ending in Rampage on a low blow. You're giving away, you know, you've had two great Adam Hangman Page and Danielson matches. And now they're having a 20 minute match on Dynamite. And it's like, you're diluting that rivalry as well. You're going to do Jericho against Danielson again next week. And it was shite the first time. Fucking terrible match on that pay-per-view. Everything is everything is just nothing feels special to me anymore you know and and at the center of that the world title doesn't and that was the one thing they always did do quite well so yeah the whole thing is just slipping that's funny i, I don't think they're that far away from a fix though either because i really you know i do think they're a, a bit a, you know as much as i'll rip on them there are positives to, to, to some of tony khan's style i think the, simply the fact that he allows a story like punk and them jeff to be told by punk and mjf that was always one of gabe sapolsky's biggest strengths back in the day wasn't it james that like he would yeah. let you know guys who had good ideas come forth like a punk and have a lot of control of you know, that, that they wouldn't get in wwe you know the the, the analogy that's a vince there like gareth you know with agree and the, I think I'd agree. I'd go even further and say the, the the actual the problem there is that Vince and the reason WWE was shite for the, most of the last twenty years is like he couldn't let go and couldn't actually take instruction from other people. And I think Tony mm. Khan's kind of issue is that yeah he wants to do everything himself. And I don't think I think fundamentally he has good ideas and fundamentally puts the right people in the right spots a lot of the time. And fundamentally, you know, allowing a punk and an MJF to tell their stories is good. Sometimes when you allow the young bucks and Kenny Omega to tell their stories, maybe it's not quite <laughs> so good. And or a Cody was probably the best example of that where he need mm-hmm. he need to put his foot down. But at the end of the day, I think what he needs is like, he needs someone to lit a proofreader. He needs an editor. He needs someone to go yeah. over like, oh, this is the, like Gareth said, this is why. You're you know, suggesting Vince Russo, mate. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe more Jim Cornette, to be honest. You just have to ignore the game. Get game back in the business. Nonsense, he says. <laughs> but the actual. Right, come on, mate. Those NFTs aren't going to sell themselves, are they? <laughs> yeah. They actually literally won't. They're worthless. <laughs> just to reiterate that. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> but I mean we can talk this week's dynamite as kind of a an example, you know, of it all where we are. Because I think, you know, I, as much as maybe I'd agree with you know the world titles taking a knock lately, if anything, it was looking you know, it was looking strong going into the pay-per-view. Like the fact that that decision to put Punk over Moxley is going to continue to look bad because I think they're probably going to end up putting the belt back on Moxley to do this uh, potential MJF program going forwards. But mm-hmm. like, he was the guy. He was elevating that belt. He was making it feel important again after the mm-hmm. Hangman yeah. reign that he was, didn't yeah. really make it feel important. And you know, that's that's probably an easy fix, isn't it? Lean into that again. It, it, Hammer, I would say Boxy looks a little bit silly now, you know, that he's lost the belt again, and now he's going to be, you know, yeah. the, the not the paper champion this time, it's the real belt, but he's still, you know, there's still, it's kind of like it's, um, it's like it's the John, the John Jones, um, Daniel Cormier yeah. thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like John, John Jones fucks off <laughs> injured and, and Cormier becomes the champion, and it's like, you're the champion, but. Are you, know, are you really because of you know or, you know that's the real champion? There's an asterisk on it every time, isn't every there? Every time yeah. that happened to him, you know, and he never quite got yeah. that definitive "I am better than you" because it was always, always there, wasn't? I feel like Moxley's kind of like that with uh, with Punk now going forward. But as far as a guy to, if you got, if you are going to do a reset, which is what this dynamite felt like in a lot of ways, and you are going to attach yourself to to somebody like this promo Moxley did on on dynamite, you know, you called him then, Jamesy, the probable best wrestler in the world right now. He made that case, you know. He's Mister Reliable, isn't he? Uh, in AEW at this point, and yeah, if anything, he he shouldn't have lost the belt in the first place. He should have, you know. That that maybe that is one where you be reactive and go, you know what? Like he's been so good as champion here that maybe yeah, I do stick with with Mox for you know for a bit more consistency and a bit more, you know, something you can kind of rely on. Because good God, he looked like the, he was the big positive in this, you know, this opening fifteen minutes of the show. He was like, he felt like the main man in the promotion. As he's felt like that. He's felt like the main man in the promotion for a long time Since now, hasn't he? Mate. Yeah. He's the yeah. MVP. He is. Like he, he used the phrase, didn't he, about like being the ace, and he is is the, is like the ace of AEW. Yeah. He's, he's Mister Reliable, and he's Mister Reliable for for uh, crowd reactions, for consistency in the ring, for somebody who you can just lean on and know that he's going to turn up, you know, turn in week week in week out, and you can plug him into different rivalries, different opponents. Is clearly doesn't cause a fucking stink backstage, nothing like that. Like he's just is the guy. Got his t-shirt on, <laughs> <laughs> and he does. He, his feuds, his his title reign has been the one that's like he's he's elevated the contenders. Whether it was Brody King, yeah. where, sorry Brody Lee, whether it was Eddie Kingston, like you know Eddie Kingston in a pay per view main event sounds like a mad idea at that point in time, but made the whole thing completely credible. It's it's and it's clearly going for him and Danielson as well which is fine it, it comes back to the idea is it, there's so much of a better way to use Danielson there is a good argument I think I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll go with Moxley like you say to heat up the MJF feud but there is an argument for going with Danielson just because they haven't done this as of yet you can get you can do a kind of him and Moxley have their kind of proper breakup which never really happened last time because obviously they had Regal turn up I don't know if you want to use him backstage um a bit more possibly to be the hard ass, but then I imagine he's waiting for his 
contract to run down and go back to Triple H because he'll be walking into a great <laughs> office job there, yeah. wouldn't he, at the same time? That's that's the other problem they, they have with that. But it does make me think, like, you know, if they went to a, a kind of quite protracted Moxley versus Danielson feud for a bit, just to stabilise it, but also give you an idea of, like, proper professional main eventers doing proper professional main eventing. Like, you think, it like, that that's the kind of thing that they can do. And, like, they'll have great matches along the way. You'll be able to tie in Claudio and Wheeler Uter in some ways as well. And I think that's just a much more interesting use of them than, as Jamesy said, one of the endless amount of stables that that go on in, in like, in, in this company, which for, for three hours of actual television time is mad when you think of it. Hmm. I'd, I'd put it on Danielson personally. Now that's <laughs> I probably would always have Danielson as, as the champion no, of my country. So not like you. Probably not. A, but, but I think particularly at the moment when what you need is stability, you need somebody who you know can be a champion, who, who can lead a locker room, in inverted commas, because I think that is important at the moment. Um, you can know he'll have great matches. And also, fucking use him. You, I don't think they're going to have Danielson forever. I, I like. I don't think mm. Danielson is as invested in the idea of being an AEW in the long run as someone like Moxley is. I think Danielson has always made sure to not burn any bridges with WWE, and I think he will happily go back there if his contract expires at AEW. I don't see he'd have much like Brian Danielson was never as upset with his WWE run as the rest of us were. I think he was perfectly happy there, uh, doing what he was doing, and he would perfectly happily go back there again. So if you only have this guy, who a lot of people say is the best ever. Use him, you know, put him on your role of champions. And if your company needs stability, put the title on him. But the, the I, James, I think like, the other... Just to that point, sorry, like, before we move on, like, he's like, you know, it wasn't that long ago, he's the most popular wrestler in the world. Like, <laughs> CM Punk coming in at the same time has made us all think of... And, his, and Brian's booking, you know, in the fact mm-hmm. that he's just a guy who comes out and has wrestling matches, which is fucking great, it's Brian. And that, to yeah. be honest, I preferred that period when he was coming out just having rando single matches, and now he's just he's been <laughs> yeah. squashed into Jericho, the Jericho universe, and the stable, and all of that stuff. Look at the stable. Yeah. But it's not been. It's kind of yeah. You're not taking advantage of the fact that one, you've got the best wrestler That's in the I world mean. there, yeah. and also yeah. somebody who's you know again in WWE not that long ago the most popular you know wrestler on the a planet. Massive, I want to know how much of Put him in those big spots. Yeah. Let's see. Let's yeah. find out. Like, yeah, because yeah, yeah you, you say you're Absolutely. not going to embrace the yes, John. Yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah. I think it's staff that he never did, but it's that's a decision for him. But I was going to say just to that point, James, before we move on, like I, if anything, I think with AEW, I don't even necessarily think the problem is burning through this stuff. I think the problem is Tony Khan not shit not getting up the pot. It's like you know, we look at that Cody run. You know, look at the amount of big matches that didn't happen because Tony Khan thought he had thirty yeah. years with Cody Rhodes yeah. and he didn't. Yeah. You know, look at I know it's much lesser, and you know this might be a, a dangerous thing to dangle in front of you, Jamesy, but you know, Red Dragon, <laughs> you know. Came Came in. I saw a stat the other day. They had two tag team matches the entire time they were in AEW. Straight up tag team matches, two. Like you know, whatever you want to say about them in the books, that match should have happened. Them and FTR, that match should have happened properly. yeah, loads of stuff they like actually that. build the things and then never give you the match. That's that's the really frustrating thing. I, I watch AEW sometimes. Yeah, I, I watch AEW sometimes, and I kind of at the end of Dynamite, I go, okay, they're building to this, this, and this. And two months later, none of it has happened. You might get a six-man tag involving them. And it's like, yeah, it's and again, it's because there's too many people. 
and, 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 and feuds do that. Like he's, he builds to yeah. he builds to maybe oh, a single so thing. He maybe builds to a tag thing, and then it's like, oh fuck, we need to have a match here. And it's like, oh, let's just have these two talking to each other backstage, and suddenly it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're suddenly Everyone's embroiled done. in a six-man feud here, mm. or so, something. And it's like, hang about, Wardlow's with FTR now. Is it? Hang about, he's, <laughs> he's just been, he's yeah. built has been built oh. to this title, and now he's he's just in a throwaway six-man tag with the most machine guns who've been brought in because. Yeah. Why? We haven't got enough people on my roster. Let's just uh, let's just bring the Motor City machine guns in to side with a, a, a heel. He badly wow. needs he badly needs to pick six people, six big stars, and say, "I'm going to I'm going to everything's going to revolve around these six people for the next six months. They're going to have singles matches on pay per views. They're going to have proper feuds and proper rivalries. Like, and you go right, who have I got? I've got Moxley. I've got Danielson. I've got Wardlow. You probably you." Probably have to pick your women's champion, even though I'm not particularly impressed with the quality of that division. And you pick your tag team champions. And they're the centerpiece of my promotion for the next six months. And if that means that certain people have to sit on the bench, then that's fine. Either get rid of them, send them off to Japan, let them do indies, whatever. But those guys, you focus on them and you give them proper singles feuds and singles matches. And none of this messing about with, as you said, shoehorn them into six-man tags and all this kind of thing. And as you said, Brian Adelson is a limited resource he could get an injury and be gone again. He could leave and go to WWE again. You should be doing everything you can to milk that guy's star power. Like, we forget him. Which, like, he's become a workhorse in AEW. Yeah. What about Brian Danielson, the guy who closed WrestleMania 30 with an entire stadium screaming his name? That's not that long ago. That guy is a proper star. And you're eroding his star value by, as I said, sticking him in this stable with four or five other guys where he's, what, the number two guy at best? Strange, very strange. What did we all think of uh, MJF's uh, performance in this uh, in this segment? If you're going to pick guys to go forward with, MJF is clearly one of uh, Tony Khan's guys. Yes, it did take us this long to uh, to mention his name, as it did when we talked about the last week. What was supposed to be the big story? Um, yeah, what did you make of uh, of MJF here, Gareth? He's obviously. I, I actually I said to JP I would. I would have loved it if he kept this this faux babyface act up. To me, this was the solution because I think he's going to be cheered like this everywhere they go for the next like four to five weeks. I think I would have waited four to five weeks before you know. If, we all know it's an act, but him revealing it's an act, you know, I kind of like that element of it that he was leaning into it and being the babyface. Obviously, Mock coming out uh, put pay to that, but yeah, you know, considering the position he was in, um, yeah, I thought he uh, I thought he did well at least in in this segment, MJF. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in in the end, when you like, when I reviewed it at the end of the segment, then, uh, you know, overall I was like, yeah, this has been, um, you know, spot on. It's actually like knocked it out of the park here when the, by the time Mox Mox got in, you know, I'm the other way on the MGF stuff to me is just like, like. I don't want to. I don't want to give anybody the slightest reason to cheer him at all. I don't want people to be like Eve, like. There's pit. The, the, there's that guy is the bull heel standpoint for 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 years in, in in my eyes, and his best stuff is is when he's got the whole crowd against him. I I don't like this. I, I like the the fact that he was in there in in the ring with Punk at the pay per view, and there's people cheering MJF. To me, that should not happen in Chicago. Did tell Punk like that? Like in the, in the, yeah, in the press um, conference afterwards, he wanted to say something about that. 
yeah, and, and that is that is wrong. And then like the way that he came out at the start of this this show, and like I, I like the sort of semi parody of punk with the football, jer- you know, with the sports mm-hmm. jersey and feigning the jump into the crowd a little bit and all that sort of thing. So for me, I'm glad that they did do almost that reveal of yeah, he is lying to you all. I, I'm pleased that that was done quick, and then the very very strong babyface promo from Mox to come right on the back of it is that if it's them Mox and MJF you've got that real clarity that he's the dick he's the heel he's your strong babyface who you should all be be getting behind and like I don't know where you talk about leaders you talk about you know people coming across well like for me just that that Mox promo it just I was just left at the end of that thinking that's that's the guy that you fucking peg peg the company to, and that's that's he's the guy who in the back looks and sounds like the locker room leader. He's been there and he's done it up, you know, in 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 WWE, but he's not coming in here bitching and moaning about stuff. He's he he Jamesy talked there about like the world title losing like an element of prestige and things like that, or uh, compared to what it was previously. The way Moxley talked about it. it instantly elevated at some levels obviously not back to where it was but he made it feel important he made it feel like it stood for something he made it feel like it was like the the rock of aw that you know somebody should you know somebody should be be going you know going towards you know i think it was you know obviously you've asked this question about mdf and i've ended up talking about mox mox more but i think (laughs) I think it was, you know, from that reset button point of view, you've got MGF back in the mix. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah, we've got, you know, have we got a big star? Yeah, we have. Moxley, here you go. He's a big baby face. Let's fucking push that, you know, baby face stand behind him. For as as much as I've criticised, you know, or, or expressed concerns about Khan or the, or the direction of AEW, this as a start-the-show package it probably was as good as it could have been under the circum you know circumstances to you know tick tick several several boxes there there and um, i think it sort of went some way to just establishing that element of like a a, a reset at the top i wasn't so hot about everything that came after that in the show but you know just as a, as a, as a start as a starting point great you know great what, what do you just think about like leaning into this kind of, and it goes to that point, the MJF being the uh, anti AEW guy, you know, he's referencing Nick Khan, he's referencing WWE. That's the bit that, you know, like, I think when I say I, I would have liked him to lean into the faux babyface stuff, it's kind of to keep him away from that. Because I think in doing yeah. that, it's yeah. so dangerous if he is going to get cheered. Like, I just don't like, I think on top of everything else that's happened, Tony Khan getting booed and in the intro, all of this division that's happening with like the books and punk. And it's something that's bled into AW the more things have gone on. Like, wasn't that like one of the biggest criticisms we had at WWE the last 15 years or so with Vince McMahon in charge? Like, they made the company the heel and a force to rally against. Like, I just think mm-hmm. that's such a dangerous game to play with MJF. I know, to be honest, with everything else grabbing the headlines, I don't think he had any other cards to play. I think we ended up almost having to do this, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous line to tread, I think. I do you not think that they kind of, they were in a corner of what could he say that wasn't about all the incidents that had happened and somehow kept him as a heel? Like, I think that was always the difficult line. And so I think going to the WWE stuff, it felt like this time around, I was like, given the wealth of the much more relevant material, it felt like the kind of, like, quite cheap heat. Hmm. 
my very quite lazy heat in some ways. It's delivered well, don't get me wrong. It's not like I, I disliked it, but it was like the issue I had from the start of the program. As soon as I saw the Tony Khan address, and then you saw this, and it was like, right, they're not addressing any of the stuff that's mm. happened. And you know that. And I think the ratings reflected that as well. My, my biggest problem as a more general conversation about MJF is that he tries to be too many things at once. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with Gareth that MJF should just be a heel because he's really good at it and that's what the company needs him to be. But like, I find that he just, he's always doing so many, like you said, Benno, like, so he's elements of him coming out as taking a shot at Punk Elements of it is kind of referring to WWE and the whole maybe I'll leave and maybe I'll go somewhere else kind of a thing. Then there's him wanting to go for the title. And always with MJF, it's like he's trying to prove he can do everything when really you need him to very specifically be just one thing. And I think the best advice I could give him as a wrestler is he should keep it simple. Like I I remember there was a match he had on pay-per-view against Derby, I think it was. I'm pretty sure you guys loved it. And I remember I hated it because MJF was, mm. he was determined to go out there and show that he can be the wrestler and he can be the guy who can have great matches. And he did limb work. And it's like, hold on, like limb work is almost a sympathetic thing. You know, if you're selling your leg, then you become the underdog in the match in some way. Um, and like, like MJF should be an unrepentant bastard who never shows any weakness to anybody. You know what I mean? And it, I just feel like there's there's a, an ego with him as a person almost where he wants to show the world he can be everything and he can do everything. And there's an egotistical side to him where he fancies himself as the rock almost. You know, that kind of a way where, you know, I know I'm the heel, but I can also make them cheer for me. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and that's bleeding character and human being into one thing. But I think he should just keep it so simple. He has unbelievable, he, he has proper, you know, we talk about heat and good heat and bad heat. He has proper heel heat in that promotion. The fans hate him and he shouldn't be messing with getting them to cheer him too much because, you know, they very well might. And then where are you? You know what I mean? And if your plan for a program is Mox versus MJF, you don't suddenly want to put the fans in a situation where they're mixed in like that's very much to me baby face hard man straight talking mocks against shithead heel and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be even giving the fans the opportunity to kind of blur the lines between face and heel i just think you go down a very messy route and i think stick to traditional pro wrestling values with mjf i know the business has changed and not everybody's a baby face and everybody's a heel and there are shades of gray that you can tell within certain stories but i think with mjf it should be very black and white he's a heel let him be a heel he's very very good at that and not as i said not complicating things his wrestling shouldn't be complicated he should be very being doing very basic moves he shouldn't be out there proving he can have epics and that kind of thing those matches will come in time just keep it simple be an asshole in your matches and that's all you have to do and i know jp said there about it being like like cheap heat in a way kind of thing or cheap healing with the wwe stuff to to me it felt like it was probably the only it was the it was yeah. the only quick necessary route for them to get booze quickly. And if we, if if in, you've gone from that scenario yeah. there, where if he's referencing Triple H being his hero, if he's talking about Nick Khan being the best Khan, if it, you know, <laughs> and things like that, 
and and he's still getting cheered, then you're fucked. You're dead in the water. You're absolutely dead in the water. So if if you know if he can't just turn that turn that to to get to get the to get the booze back, which which they used to get that, then then great. The the interesting part now is is just going to be the continu- continuity for that because the next time we see MJF on TV. He needs to be doing something that makes him look like the biggest cunt in the world that you absolutely have got no favour for whatsoever. And it'd be interesting to see if they if they manage to achieve that or not. Yeah. Well, moving into the uh, the matches on, on Dynamite, I suppose. Um, there is those. We'll start with one I'm sure Jamesy and, uh, and Gareth loved. Uh, the trio's uh, championship matches, uh, the first big match of, I'd say, three uh, on this show. A lot of uh, lot of good ring time on this show. Obviously, they put the uh, the trio's belts on uh, on Death Triangle now. I appreciate that they at least went some way to you know, explain why Dark Order um, weren't involved, you know, something about injuries or whatever. At least they gave it lip service, you know what I mean, um, in throwing these uh, two teams that didn't uh, go particularly far in the tournament out here. I enjoyed it as a like a, as a you know we got a good six man match. There's a uh, plenty of holes I'm sure we can uh, we can pick in uh, in certain people in this match's work. Looking at you, Pentagon, but I'll let Jamesy do that. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a step up from like the last best friends in uh, Orange Cassidy six man sword and Rampage last week where they were doing they were like seconds away from doing thumbs up the arse spots with uh, with Dark Horse allegedly <laughs> allegedly in uh, important uh, six man tournaments but as far as a big way to, to kick off the show and like I say give uh, give things a, a fresh coat of paint I enjoyed it it's kind of a, an all action six man um, what says you JP? I thought it was a fun six man like in in terms of the match for what it was I just think at that point in time like it's just a title I don't care for and it feels like yeah they get the titles back on onto death triangle but already it feels like almost like the kiss of death on this these it titles could have just already not done it, couldn't they like you can't get away with the just world, didn't need to do it Kenny and the they also could have used maybe they want them yeah they also <laughs> like cuz they had best friends in there it's like yeah. why isn't the dark order in there then in that case if they just allegedly. lost in the fight mm. yeah i know but they, do you know what i mean like they, the world tournament that's all that's yeah. to come up with an explanation why yeah. they in both they could, I mean, but it was at the same at the same time, like for what it was as a match. It's like there's that kind of stuff that I always think pops the live crowd. And then for me, it's just like, yeah, this is good, but I've seen better variations on this. Um, like Death Triangle as an act. It's it, you know, speaking about wrestlers who haven't been used to the full potential. There was a time with Pack when he was having like that thirty man Iron Man match, thirty minute Iron Man match with um, with Kenny Omega, where you thought there's really like a better use. This all Atlantic title just feels like an excuse to send him abroad and have AEW have a title to defend somewhere. He's a better example is, than Malachi Black. Like, would you take that over? Yes. What, what, the argument I made before Gareth about Malachi Black insert pack into that. There you go. There's the argument for uh, why there's too many wrestlers. And, <laughs> and do you think he looks at WWE and goes, "Do you know what? When it was Triple H with the book, I was doing all right. Like, it felt like I was on a very clear career tra- trajectory. I show much more in the way of personality now. Like, as a as kind of someone who can put on." put on great matches he's like a a hell of a pickup and they'll always want a bit more uk representation won't they and i just think yeah he it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle again this like another set of unnecessary titles which goes back to an earlier point it's a point of, you know raised like months ago you replace what is actual booking and telling stories with just tournaments and belts and you think that that equals the same and it doesn't all you do is just dilute every belt mm. 
sorry, I'm now just envisioning Pac going to WWE now and seeing him just like singing with Jimmy Nail at the end of a show at St. James Park or something like that with the Saudis involved or something like that, you know, just singing us off as he's just lost to Roman Reigns or something. Well, exactly. There's a, with, you know, kill two birds with one stone, isn't it? You get to do a UK stadium show and you get to do a Saudi show at the same time. Yeah. Plus the lads can have a beer. Like, uh, just throw that there. It's a lot easier for everyone if they just relocate to Newcastle and maybe even though Vince never got to while he was in charge, maybe at this point they'll start, you know, it keeps them closest to that inexplicable tie that WWE has always had to Newcastle and the potential purchase of Newcastle United. That'll be the base for WWE Europe, it's coming. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on this six-man though, lads, Jamesy? Uh, Gareth, or the, the, the booking of, uh, of the title in general? Is it already dead in the water? Yeah, it's dead. It's exactly the phrase I was going to use. To me, those titles are dead. And to be honest, I, I never... They never excited me in any way. They're, they're just, as I said, they're just literally, they give you more reason to shoehorn more people mm-hmm. into matches. Um, so you're diluting. They were vanity for Bucks and Canny, and you take Bucks and Canny yeah, off the picture, yeah. and why are they there? They're literally yeah. there so they yeah. can have the three mates can have a together and do what they yeah. do what they want to do and have their type of match, isn't it? Without them. And if you can't book your normal tag division better, why then bring in another tag division that you're not going to book properly? Like, as I said, the tag yeah. titles don't feel particularly important at the moment. So why on earth would these, th- why would this second set of tag titles be any better? You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. And, and the match itself, like, I just, when I see AEW six man, to be honest, my eyes glaze over and it's just like, there's something I have to sit through rather than something I have any interest in. I just, I watch them, stuff happens, people do stuff, none of it matters. The match is over and I never think about it again and I give it two stars and it's just like, ugh, I, I don't care about Death Triangle against Best Friends. I don't care about either faction. I don't care about them in six-man tags. And like the fact that like, the fact that this, like they were given the titles, they posed in the ring with them and while they're in mid-pose as new champions, the camera's gone and we're off to the next segment. They don't, They didn't even linger on it for 20 seconds because it's not even that important, you know? So like nothing about that angle, nothing about the way the match is set up, nothing about the match itself, nothing about the aftermath makes me feel these titles are worth anything. And it was almost like it was an inconvenience. uh, They're already an inconvenience to them that they had to shoehorn this six-man tag onto this match because they had these vacant titles that somebody has to hold. And it's just like, why should I care about them when the people booking the show doesn't even care about them? Like ROH, isn't it? Like Tony just couldn't help himself but be like, oh, there's a TV belt. Oh, there's trios belts. Well, we can't let them die. It's like he's got to save all... He's like Noah. He's got to save all the fucking animals. You know, it's like not everything needs saving, you know? (laughs) Let the TV title disappear. No one would remember it exists. It. maybe the pure title for that matter as well we'll get to yeah, that later that could but quietly if, go away as well yeah, yeah but if you just let it go go off screen with kenny in the books it comes back if they come back let's just let's just do that you know yeah. like let's just let's just wait nobody um, would complain yeah. nobody would miss them any other thoughts on this yeah. gareth what james has said yeah. <laughs> 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 i got a lot of that on the show both ways um well, another one of the big, the big matches on, on the show, Hamman Page and, uh, and Brian Danielson um, took place uh, on the show as well. Um, I did uh, I did have a little look at Grapple. I saw you giving a three and a half, Gareth, so I'm uh, I'm guessing what your review of this might be uh, similar to what, what James you said earlier. Um, yeah, I thought this was a, a good match, not great. Uh, I thought I might be missing something. I was watching this live and like I'll rewatch it today and rewatch it today and it... It didn't grab me in any way near the other matches did. It's probably not going to, you know, middle of the card in a tournament, you know, it is going to be 
what it is. But any big notes on uh, on that one, uh, Gareth? Aside from the uh, three and a half star rating you gave it. Again, it's one of those where, like, immediately when you see like a match like this, you're immediately your mind goes back to what's gone before, and obviously mm-hmm. the, the the two that went before were, you know, absolutely top draw stuff in, in in their own way. This one was, you know, handcuffed with the placement in the card, you know, the the, the time they had and things like that for what this could be. Um, I think though that. It, Again, when you you know you're looking at it being Brian Danielson, you're looking at it being you know mm. Hangman Page. Probably for me, I was thinking he needs to come out of the last weekend that's just gone with something kind of. You know, obviously the tie into all the punk stuff, the fact that he's kind of been hidden away in a six man stuff there. You know, you kind of thought like this is his opportunity to come out and go like fuck the world, like I'm I'm really good kind of thing. You know, I'm somebody and. Mm. I don't think he did. Can't like again. I, don't, I feel like I tar myself off with the brush of being the person who puts a down on Angman Page a little bit, but <laughs> he's just not quite oh, at that perfect. top top level that he's you know that he that people think he is. And and again, I, I think the bookings again played a played a big part in that. This was for me was a perfectly fine TV match, three and a half stars, which had a. You know, reasonably interesting finish um, served a decent purpose in that Danielson went on in the tournament and Hangman didn't, which was the right choice for this moment in time. But as far as like me, you know, you know what I'm normally like with extensive notes of breaking the match down, this is Danielson against Page, and I've kind of got very little to say, say about it. Really, it's just a a good match that good enough match that happened. There was nothing between two professional wrestlers. Would you say? Would you? Say? <laughs> yeah, um. it's kind of an unholy combination of they're hamstrung by the time, by the fact there's no story going into this. It's, also, Jericho it's ruined a... it because Jericho in his promo said, "I'm looking for a quick spoiled us. Yeah, I think it just. Got, I I'll, I never defend Jericho, but I think that promo got cut to be somewhere else in the show. I after this match, and they just slotted Rich, it before, yeah. like in in the mayhem of what was going on that night. But oh, yeah, which is things away. a mistake they still shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah like yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a big continuity error. It's like when they left a, a Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, but it, it it feels like it was kind of sort of just somehow lost in the shuffle with all of this other stuff going on. They're having this match, and as Jamesy says, like it kind of it ends up diluting the series somewhat mm. because of those first for those first two matches. It will just become like a like a trivia note. Oh, they had a TV match because of all the stuff with Punk had happened, and they had them on there, so it won't live long in the memory. Um, but I was I, I was just glad to see Danielson win. I just think like they need to go with like good, experienced professional wrestlers <laughs> doing good, experienced leading of professional wrestling locker rooms. Like I think like as long as they end up doing that, then then it's fine. But as a match, like it was, it was just very, very weird because you'd. Th- I was thinking to myself, why isn't this the main event? This is the kind of thing you'd want to have at the main event of the show. Like you say, we're going to do the trios at the beginning. We're going to do the. Uh, world title tournament at the end, but you know it's not the Ring of Honor pure title, is it, lads? Which is the that's the big draw, as you two have always known. Well, yeah, that's the other big match on the show. Uh, Wheeler Uther and Daniel Garcia, Jamesy, for our you know our, our beloved 
pure title. I say beloved. Um, we all got sick of it, well, 17 years ago. Um, but apparently it's back <laughs> and it's worthy of bringing back. And yeah, it was quite funny here in real trying making a making a, a mockery of the uh, the, the Queensbury rules, I think, and trying to trying to like explain why they were similar to the pure rules and what it just. As with every, is the is the dirty secret, James? You can back me up on this. That every great pure title match was great, despite the rules, not because of them. I think yeah. that is is that a rule we learnt in in like yeah, I say, yeah, yeah. two thousand and six. Rule of that is don't build the match around the rope breaks. Yeah. Let, let the rope breaks happen, and if they happen organically throughout the match, they can help it at certain points. But don't sit down when you're planning your match and go. Rope break one, two, and three are the pivotal moments in the match because it, it just and and I think in fairness to the two of them in this match, they did a decent job of that where, where there were rope breaks, but they never felt massively important. Mm. Um I thought this was a good match. Um I wouldn't say it was a patch on previous matches. Like I I, I really hold the one hour draw they had on the yeah. a couple of years back in really high esteem. That was my match of the year for was it twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? Can't remember what it was. I want to say 2020 because it was one of the first matches that happened in a crowd, wasn't it? It was an yeah. IWTV. It was Small, it's an amazing. Yeah. Match. Brilliant match. Phenomenal match. I, I really liked the one they had on the ROH show as well um, a few weekends back. I thought that was very good. Again, it was good. It, like, it didn't waste my time. It was only 17, 18 minutes. Um, I do think this is a rivalry that they can kind of... They should leave for now because they've done two matches in quick succession. They don't want to overdo this rivalry because it is a rivalry, I think, that they can, if they keep these guys long-term, they can go back to over the years and they can kind of, they, they can be in different roles in the company and they can go back to it and it can be one of those legacy career rivalries that they can build a lot around as long as they don't ruin it and overdo it. Um, should it have been, like, you know, it's the guy's hometown and he's in Buffalo, so I guess it's it's a nice thing for him to main event the show and that kind of thing. Uh, most interesting for me was kind of the, the post-match, really. You know what I mean? And are we actually going to get maybe Garcia getting away from Jericho now? And, and you know, I know you've been very vocal about him and his silly hat over the <laughs> over the, the last however many months this uh, has been a thing. Better. A little bit, though. I've got to be honest. Alan, yeah. As often happens, Alan Farrell turns out to be right. Who knew? I'll pick me. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of reason is usually. Yeah. But, you know, maybe now we're going to get Garcia. And I don't know, did you guys see the, um, the post-match promos they put up on YouTube? No, um, somebody seen. just linked them on I my timeline. Saw the Wheeler Utah one, which was very much like kind of like honor and defeat and stuff. Yeah, like honor, honor and defeat, but also kind of saying I didn't like that Danielson put the belt on Daniel yeah. Garcia and what's happening there. Like I had to sit there and watch my mentor go to this other guy and shake his hand and put the title belt on him. Um, and then Garcia's promo, he's kind of saying like. Chris Jericho wasn't there for me. And he literally says, my hero, Brian Danielson, came out and put the title on me. So there's something happening there, which I like. Mm. Um, probably 3.75, maybe four-star match. Um, yeah, i go four, but that's fair. Yeah, it was yeah. like a really good match. Like I'm not going to sit here and complain about that match getting 17 minutes on TV. They're two wrestlers I really like, wrestling a style that I enjoy. So I'm not going to sit there. I have nothing bad to say about it. You know, a very, very good match. They have had better in the past. And as I said, like, when they talk about pillars of AEW, like, to me, forget about Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara. Like, I, I think those two guys are two guys you really, really can build. And I'm liking that something is going to come of this match now. And whether that means they clash again over that, or whether that means they become 
Brian Danielson's wrestling sons or something like that. And maybe they have a little tag team going on or something like that. I don't know, but at least it's intriguing and it's new and it's bringing Daniel Garcia more towards what I want from him as a professional wrestler. You know what I mean? As I said, the Jericho thing didn't work out as bad as we feared, but I also just want him out there wrestling matches. I, I don't want him doing comedy. I don't want him doing tongue-in-cheek promos and that kind of thing. I just want that chap wrestling because that's what he's really good at ultimately. And he's getting the time. Like last couple of weeks, he's talking about yeah. like the, the half an yeah. hour match with, with, with Danielson and yeah. you get this one on here. He feels like he's a really prominent part of AEW. Like it's the bizarre thing about those two is they've got some incredibly expensive, well-paid people being used at the service of getting Wheelie Utah and Daniel Garcia mm. over to a major audience, which probably seems mental to them at the point of like doing that one hour draw. But I mean, you'd say it's working. I think as, as well, Willie Ute has been kind of displaying that slightly heelish side for the last few weeks. Mm. And he appears to have more of a sort of just natural inclination for it as well. I mean, the, the IWTV match, he's, he's a heel in that. Yeah, isn't he? and he like, was good. He was the and champion he was, and he was good, yeah. yeah. And the dynamic worked well there. But yeah, like you said, Benny, just, yeah, just don't want to go back to it too much. Yeah. Any thoughts on you, Gareth? Yeah, I preferred it to the Danielson page match. Um, I went four stars on this. Like it was, again, you know, with the time, you're obviously, you know, different setting and things like that from previous matches and stuff. It's it's going to be different, but I just I just really, really enjoyed this. I, I just, it just felt like two lads who felt like they had an, an element of um, importance about them in a match that, that felt like the match had a bit of importance about it and I think that the way that they worked it felt like it was a genuine fight a genuine contest that there was you know legitimate stakes involved I thought it was great having the Buffalo crowd with Garcia I think that really kind of just added it and just sort of just turned it turned it up a, a notch to me on you know on that standpoint but it just you know again it was just to 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 um to two lads going out there and just having you know, the work that they did look legitimate and like they were really trying to beat each other in the contest, which, you know, for me is always like half the battle. If that's, um, mm. if that's something, you know, just small things, the depth of the Garcia sharpshooter and things like that, the, the talk on the opponent's back and things like that, you know, just they're the things that I'm sitting there that's uh, drawing me in more than watching Chuck Taylor do a somersault off a stage onto some lines or something like that at the, at the start. You know, that's uh, that's that's um, that's what it's all about for me. And then I think Utah is definitely better when he has got those heelish tendencies. You know, again, I, I think when we did that top 10, I had the Moriarty match from that Utah run in my uh, top oh, yeah. 10 as well. That I think was a, yeah, no, it wasn't, you thought it was going to be a, our draw but I think it went about 53 minutes as well mm. and he was you know he was a heel in that as well and excellent stuff so again I, I quite like that side of things but I think you know again we've tore AEW apart for plenty of stuff um, earlier on in the, sh the show today I think something that you have to sit back and look at with Garcia and Utah is do these two lads look more than they did three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago, and it's like, yes, 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 kind of thing. And the the build and the trajectory that they've got got them on is um, has worked and it's been done well. The potential sting in the tail, as Jamesy says later, is what do we do next kind of thing? And you get them to this, this, this point and there's ideas for them and we build them and get them over. Can they sustain it? I fucking hope so. 
Um, any other thoughts on Dynamite? Any other stuff uh, that stood out for either of you? Make any uh, notes on, uh, on anything else? St- Stokely Hathaway's group turned out to be nothing to do with MJF, JP, after all that analysis last week, we think. Um. Yeah, I'm still very confused about that. What an odd yeah. collection. I, I just completely forgot Lee Moriarty was in it. I was like, fuck it. That was the thing at the time, James. The four killers, uh, Wheelie Utah, Daniel Garcia, Moriarty, and Throw Hook in. That was, uh, they're, the, they're the four killers rather than the four pillars. That's what we want uh, AW to be built around. I was just going to say something I've, I've, I've been getting this education on the um, on your Patreon shows recently about um, rap who is a uh, who's West Side Gun Benno I was laughing at this because like West, Tony Khan you know we said earlier you can't help but do two things at once it's not to have Action Bronson on the pay-per-view now you've got to have West Side Gun we can't just have one one rapper at any given time it's not someone i'm massively familiar with to be honest he's he started rapping later than the year 2000 so you know i'm uh i'm always gonna be lost this. <laughs> there's a couple i'll listen to like uh like amigos uh, or uh childish gambino or someone but no not, not for me really i like the song though I thought it was a uh, very uh very wu-tang sound <laughs> that was all i needed to answer to so <laughs> i think stokely's another one they've really kind of mm. missed they just they keep trying things with him. They keep throwing shit at the wall, and none of it's sticking. Like putting him with Jade Cargill didn't feel right. Like she had, I was surprised at that. Smart, yeah. She had Sterling, and he was. I think he was actually there was a quite a decent dynamic there. They brought Stokely in, and I don't know if it added a whole lot to the act. And well, now this 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 stable is like. Fun. I think it could have added something to Jade. It was more for me that there was always again like everything AW four other people on screen. So instead of the yeah. dynamic, this crowd of people, hair, yeah, it was Stokely hair plus the baddies. So now, and I think at mm. some point they've just gone. Well, she's got the baddies. She doesn't need Stokely. It is odd. Yeah, he's been kind of plucked and moved around, hasn't mm. he, a couple of times? All over the place. And this new and, faction, like it's it's jobber central for me. They they just all feel like jobbers to me. And like, it's, it's, to me, King, the whole point of the Kings and Sevens, is, mate. Kings and Sevens, exactly. But like, who, who would you want to get over from that stable? Like, at least with the Jericho Appreciation Society and that, like, you could say, okay, it has gotten Garcia over. The Blackpool Combat Club has gotten Utah over. If it has served nothing else, it has served those two guys very well. Who is this going to get over? Fucking Billy Gunn Sons? Big Cass? Lee Moriarty, Ethan Page, Jesus, like pure fucking bland. Like it's just, it's just a collection of people who, who, who you don't really know what else to do with them. Let's put Stokely with them, and he can talk for them all. And it's like, oh, like I, I just, it just screams jobber central to me. It really does. I maybe I've missed something here on Stokely Hathaway as well, and I just, I haven't heard that killer promo yet. Mm-hmm. Someone, I think again, I hiss you. Like I'm not as familiar with his indie run. Again, I feel like Gareth talking about Ricky Starks from quite a while ago. Like, maybe <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm smiling. I'm smiling because you're just reading my brain here. As, as, uh, as so, so, like you're you're saying what I was going to say. So go for it. I never, I never actually like. I want to really like him. I can recognise there's something there, but he's certainly not being used. That he's not explaining like the idea of like is he meant to be some sort of like master villain of sorts who manages to always sort of hire muscle to come in. You don't really know that this is like, you know, there was a point in time where it felt like they're getting rid of a lot of the other kind of management type figures. Like Tully Blanchard had gone, Arn Anderson was Jake. gone. Um, 
Jake had gone, um, Vicky, Vicky Guerrero. And you thought, oh, okay, so it's kind of here for him to be the kind of like super manager. But really, in many ways, he's not like this stable is yet another stable that feels in, entirely needless. And like I say, there isn't a focus on who they're going to go with, who is who is head of that stable, which then in turns is like the overall, like, because generally these stables, like, rather like in all Japan, they had a pecking order, a very clear pecking order of who number ones are, number twos and threes and so on, and they would match up against each other. Whereas, like, where the fuck do you start with this? There's a lot of number fives, like, knocking <laughs> around in there. There's no five. ones, twos, and threes, is there? Yeah. And even on, even on this show, he was cutting a promo, and I thought, maybe we'll get some clarity on something here. And then the promo just ends, and they just beat a guy up. Yeah. I was like, what was the, what was the fucking point of that? He yeah. beat up a backstage hand when I'd, I would rather hear from Stokely Hathaway and get some insight into what the deal with MJF was. Is it a long-term relationship? Was it just to pay off like he did with Andrade before? Which is fine if that's what it is. And I actually don't want MJF being anywhere near this bunch of fucking losers, like because that's just no. dragging him down completely, you know. But just messy, as I said, starting a promo and it ending up in a beatdown of of who some backstage. It just odd, very just very odd, and kind of pointless. A bit of a waste of time, I mm. thought. Stokely's one who's like he's not showing him since he's come in. Absolutely not. He's more over on Twitter than he is in the buildings. Like yeah. you know, like <laughs> I hear plenty of people tell me why he's great, mm. but I never see it. Yeah, I was excited. I was excited to see him because I've heard how great he is, and I've not, I've never That's seen, right. I've never, I've never seen it. I, I'm, again, with these the Evolve run and things, I assumed he must have been doing great stuff in Evolve that I wasn't watching or something like that. The way people talk about him, but. Not one. There has not been one occasion in his entire AW run that I've thought oh, that was really good. Kind of, oh, oh God, you can tell that he's got you know he's got something there. Like I can I can legitimately remember people talking about him being like, oh, he's the next Bobby Heenan and things like years ago. And you're like, what? And so like I've got these expectations mm. of him in my head of been you know someone who could potentially be at that level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't argue based on the evidence we've seen so far at all. Um... Yeah, don't, I don't know what it is, but he's just... if You'd forget he was there, wouldn't you? He's so lost in the shuffle and doesn't seem to stand mm-hmm. out in his segments. Yeah, don't know what it is. Um, but as Will said, yeah, his jokes against NXT UK were funny, so he gave us that. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Else. Maybe that's why people like him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would love to see yeah, um, Catchpoint uh, Stokely come back, but I just don't think we've seen it yet. Um, yeah, outside of that, any other thoughts on the show? There was a there was a women's match, Tony Storm and Penelope Ford. I know Crystal and I loved it and JR loved it. So other than that, <laughs> I'm not doing another Tony Storm rant. You know my thoughts on Tony Storm. They haven't changed. They'll never change. She'll never change. She'll never get better. Good luck to her. All I'd say is good luck to her getting to be the AEW champion based on her lack of ability and lack of charisma. Mm. We all we all know why she's pushed. It's not her wrestling and it's not her promos. Wow. Uh, no one wants to defend Tony, so we'll move on to Rampage. Um, <laughs> don't hear anybody speaking up. <laughs> well, she's missed no. three point two five stars, and she, I think just, yeah. she's had flashes of her in AEW where she's looked, you know, better, and then she kind of falls back to where you expect her to be. Um, and that's the story mm. of Tony Khan, uh, Tony Khan, Tony Storm's uh, Freudian slip there uh, career. I think um, how many times <laughs> do we uh, do we fall for it? Um, 
She has visual charisma, Will says. Um, yeah, there's another way of putting that, isn't <laughs> it? Um, I, the other note I had on Dynamite, sorry, was uh, Wardlow cutting a, uh, cutting a promo on Steph, basically, after he did that interview with yeah. last week. <laughs> himself saying he thinks his momentum has gone, and then he's like, yeah, some people out there on the internet are saying that I've had no momentum. I was like, no, you are the people on the internet. It's like Matty in the IWC. It's you. You said it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. no one else made it a news story. You did. Like, you know, uh, I think he's only got himself to, to blame there, but... It sounds like they're trying to do a bit of a reset with Wardlow, so let's see where it goes. They need, a plan, for they need a plan for him so badly. They need to map out the next six months. I t- they really have to because they clearly had no, they crowned him and they had no plan for him afterwards. Nothing. No. I, 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 it sounds... Uh, the problem is the way they book that TNT title is it's just a series of open challenges because they haven't got a plan for it. And those open challenges, like that only run so far because that's just an extension of what he was doing before really which is the same thing of powerbomb symphonies winning really just glorified squash matches I can think you put him in there against a powerhouse hops like yeah. I think there's an interesting dynamic there there's two young guys I think then you know if he beats Hobbs that's fine but actually give it some fucking time I think that's it as well it's just like it's going okay like Every three weeks or so, we're going to try. We're going to put him in a, like a relatively prominent TNT match. It's not like they haven't got enough guys he can beat at a certain level as well. But they never mix it up. They never like okay, we'll put him in there with Andrade, who you know, God forbid, they actually use him for once. Again, you know, he's following into the thing about whether or not I completely believe my own hype about Andrade, and just thought, well, you know, when how excited people were when he was gone, and he's just like, oh, he's going to be amazing. He's and it's just like Jesus Christ! It's he's just become Matt Hardy, and no one really wants to talk about it as much. PS is his mate Roosh, who looks better, and when Roosh looks better than you, like <laughs> take note. He's become Matt it, Hardy. It's, it's been a shout. What a shout he is! That's what he is now. Yeah. He's a manual adder by all, mate. Six months contract renewals up. He'll start talking. <laughs> he'll down fucking tools. <laughs> And isn't it about amazing it? How, how, how Rouge isn't the most troublesome man in the locker room? Not he, he's not even in the top no. 10 most troublesome people in the locker room at the Somehow. moment. That's madness. I don't know if like. in the top 30. <laughs> yeah. uh, am I remembering this right? I haven't taken tons of notes. Is Wardlow going into a feud with Josh Woods? Yeah. He did come out, didn't he? Oh, it's never, it's never ends as smart now, Mark Sterling. Why is he on AWTV? Another guy. I never minded Josh Woods, but the level was dark he's and dark the... elevation for him. Yeah, he's, he's the kind of guy who should be out in the indies, sort of like kind of honing himself. Really, is where it's designed. But that's the problem with even with the Ring of Honor stuff is it mothballs those people, and you can barely use them as well. It's not like they're able to go out in the indies and kind of like you know have that name about the place. Speaking of which, any thoughts on ROH Rampage um, from this week? Um, Claudio Dan, <laughs> yeah, Claudio did Dan, a shit rating. <laughs> it did, yeah, it did. I mean, I mean, we know we know Tony Khan's full of shit when he's like, "Oh, we're we're gonna get the big stars," and always oh, because of injuries. I mean, he can't say it because he's you know TV renewal times coming up, but he knows Rampage is a lost cause at this injuries. point. Injuries, it is what it is, isn't it? Um, you know, it says everything. Look, yeah, I think you got your world title qualifier. Which of the matches goes on Rampage? Oh, Sammy and Darby. Of course, it does because that's what Rampage is. Um, I, I found this. Again, this is probably to throw the floor over out to Jamesy and Gareth. Like me and JP, almost feel like we have to watch this every week because it's part of our. You know, we got to cover an AW, so we've got to cover it. I don't. I 
don't find Rampage an enjoyable experience, like, watching it. I just think it's so crammed, and, like, there's obviously, like, mucky ball logic for why, you know, you go straight to the match at the start, you know, with no entrances or whatever, you get no time to warm up. But I don't think that makes it a nice viewing experience. I think it, no. for some reason, it forces viewers to stick around and not channel hop, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a good mm. show. It just feels second rate, and it just feels, yeah, like a... It's formulaic. Yeah, it's formulaic. It's a bit stale. The music's stale. Presentation's stale. It is, yeah. I just don't... It's a very... I like the fucking music. Like it, like a drill like a drill going through your head, isn't it? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, my God. <laughs> and like, and then when they had JR on it for a while, it just became the most fucking intolerable oh, hour of television. Was that, that was great. Commentary was good at that. Yeah, no sign of it on Dynamite, which is great, yeah. <laughs> But like it's, it's it's totally inessential TV. Like and even knowing that I was coming on here, I just skimmed through it. I just I just skimmed through the matches that were on there. You mm. would imagine that I would want to watch Dax Harwood against Cesaro. Half watched it while I was waiting to log on here to the call with you guys. It's just you you could like you would imagine that their third hour of TV would at least have something on it that would make it important for you to watch. I honestly think you could easily keep up with everything that happens in AEW. And just totally skip Rampage. Oh, yeah. There's not important stuff happening there that affects the storylines of Dynamite. It's, yeah. it's just their third hour of TV. As you said, the ROH belts get defended on there. You, you know what's headlining next week? Well. On Rampage. Samoa Joe defending his TV title against Josh Woods. No, it, it's not Samoa Joe. It's the ghost of Samoa Joe. Is Samoa Joe done anything exactly. other than like that actually is, yeah. over and over again? Like, <laughs> you like Tupac? It's a hologram of Samoa Joe. <laughs> That's walking out there. I don't know you, James. Poor I don't want to see Samoa Joe in 2022 anymore. No. Like, I'm I don't like I it. it, it, it I don't enjoy it. I'll leave it's not nice. Alone. <laughs> they should never have signed him. They should never have signed him. Like, the, the, nothing he has uh, done since they right. signed him has made it worthwhile. It was nice to see him. And, like, it's nice to know that the guy is getting paid and, and getting, you know, totally. as a contract with a top company. But, like, my God, it's it's just sad to watch him. Like, isn't it? Like, I'm he past is... the point. Like, I, I knew logically it was a bad move, but don't get me wrong. Can I, could I have got selfish enjoyments out of it? 100%. It's Samoa Joe in ROH again. Yeah. But even that's kind of, at this point, I'm just, I just don't, yeah, it's not really like seeing no. him on my TV screen. Just, yeah. And then and then what they've done with him has, has like, like the, there is a way you can use, like, I still think him getting on the mic and cutting a fiery promo could be good TV because I think that's the thing he actually has gotten really good at in his old age with his promos. Like classic Samoa Joe, his promos weren't brilliant. But I think over the years, he has learned how to cut really, really good promos. And there is a way you could use that side of him. to, But like putting him in a feud with Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal and then Josh Woods now is the latest. Like that's they're not they're not even trying with him. Like you know what I mean? They're not doing anything to make him interesting. It's just the sooner they get ROH its own hour of TV and they can get some of these guys mm-hmm. off and just tin the roster a little bit and get some of these guys who have no business being on AEW out of the way, the better. I don't know what's holding it up, but it needs to be sorted quickly. So was I wrong then? Is Josh Woods not taking on Wardlow, or is he doing that as well? Yes, he's doing both. He's probably doing both, mate. And no one, anyone's none the wiser. They just, <laughs> yeah. It's Wardlow, just blurred into, into one into my brain. I was thinking Josh Wood's big lad. Who is it, Wardlow, or is it Samoa Joe? But it, yeah, is it, is, he's is it losing both? either way. Yeah. Right. And no one wants was, to watch it either way. No, exactly. Well, I'm going to guess it'll be 400,000 people who'll be watching <laughs> as, as, per, as per usual for it. It is what it is. Any thoughts on, on, on Rampage as a whole, Gareth, or uh, the main event? Yeah, it's just... 
it is what it is, isn't it? It's just it's just there, isn't it? And it's just something that I still do watch, just because I'm not going to break the chain of never missing an episode. Like, but you know, it's getting me to the point of getting getting me to the point of you know, could I be doing something better with this hour? Have I got some ironing to do or something like that? Like maybe, <laughs> but like you know, just the you know, even that the main events, the the Claudio Dax Howard. I think I went like three point two five on it. It's just a match that's there on the Dax Howard, you know, try and I've had a good year to a 2022 kind of thing. Just these, these mythical singles matches that are passable at best in, in a lot of instances that it's just another one to add to the list and nothing else like memorable. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara had a match. I've got no notes on it. I can't two days ago, you know, sort of thing. It's just, it's throwaway. It's just, it's, it's, is it even thunder? Is it it even thunder? Since the, <laughs> since the Queen's died, mate, you've had a lot on your mind. Don't give yourself a hard time, man. Days. You've been upset. Dark days. <laughs> uh, I didn't even enjoy the Serena D match. I was going to say, yeah, if we use it, I'd have lots to say about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it yeah. says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> Two stars. She's a complete afterthought, isn't she? She's there to pad out the television as well, but yeah. But again, someone they heated up and like mm. worked on and, and, you know, established a character for, you know, got her over as a particular type of wrestler, which is totally unique to the division. And then I find they do that a lot as well. They build people up. Um, once they lose their title shot, they just, that's it. It seems like the plan is to build them up for the title shot and then they do nothing for them afterwards then. And it's just like, come on, like just some kind of long-term planning for people, you know, just, just and, don't think beyond the one big match. Think beyond that. What do we do next? And Hangman Page, not to jump back to Dynamite, he's finished. They're just like, he, he just, there's, what, what, what do you do with that guy now? Honestly, keep him with the loser stable, build him back up. Like I, I genuinely have no idea where they go from here with him. And and this ties right back into that point that you made earlier, Jamesy, about like WWE and things being inconsequential. And this was something that in the first two years of AEW, I you know where you did have some long term things that were you knew there were sowing seeds for storylines and mm. things like the Wardlow MGF stuff and things like that. And, yeah. and kind of like I don't know, I feel a bit like hoodwinked to some degree that I was like believed mm. that they did they were a company that was going to be built on the back of consequence and like the fact that stories did matter and they were paying attention to detail and things. And that's where this just feels like for me, it's, it's all fallen off the edge of a cliff and it's just all gone out of the window and there's too much that is just shit happens for a couple of months and then it's entirely inconsequential. And once stuff starts to become inconsequential, then you stop caring about it as much. I'm in exactly the same boat as James is since I stopped doing this podcast regularly. I'm not watching it. Like it's not like dynamite's happened. I've got to watch it. I'm finding myself three weeks backlog that suddenly I'm like, shit, I better catch up kind of thing. Because if I end up having to go on the podcast in a month or something like that, I need to make sure I'm up to speed on it and things. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in for somebody who, for people who are as invested in wrestling to the extent that we podcast, that we've had it as a central hobby for 30 plus years of our lives and things like that. When we start seeing something as potentially a bit throwaway and 
you know, non mm. non essential and inconsequential in parts. Just comes back to that dangerous place that I've been talking about earlier. And there ends our uh, our AW three quarters of a year uh, year in review. We just put it to uh, right there. I, I will say I actually I enjoyed Dynamite as a reset show and a little. I thought there were I did think there were positives. You know, while we you know we picked apart a lot of the negatives there and what you know the AW in general negative of you know the mess things are right now. You know, like I say, Moxley MJF for me was a was a positive. Three strong matches there, you know, an enjoyable, fresh feeling show. I just, you know, uh, wonder what it looks like next week, and you know what what it continues to look like without Omega in the books and without Punk, you know, going forward. Um, that was in some ways a good a good step forward, but you know, maybe what what comes next is probably going to be the uh, the real test um, as far as the uh, the weeks going forward. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unless anyone's got anything else on uh, on AEW. Is it M1 Can I just say one? Can I can I just say one thing that just came into my head there? There was a really annoying thing as well on Dynamite this week, where it was the uh, where Swerve had interrupted the acclaimed, and then uh, Billy Gunn took the mic and um, said oh. that um, it wasn't Swerve's house anymore; it's Daddy oh. Ass's house. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> no, it's not about you. You're not the one who's over yeah. here. They're the ones yeah. who's over. They're the ones that's great on the mic. Lucky fuck with this guys. old yeah. fucker off and get him out of the way because it's uh, don't make him think that he's finally got himself over for however <laughs> many years. Like you know, <laughs> King of the Ring. It's not you, Billy. Yeah, uh, you were a catchphrase for them. Couldn't even yeah. put his own yeah. son over clean. You know, tells you uh, yeah. where Billy Gunn is. Sorry, that just really suspended. just came into my head. Just no, came into no, my head how totally, yeah, annoying that, that was. That that moment, I was like, what? Fuck you, get off. Like, Get that mic out of your hand, fuck off. Do you think they'll put the titles on them as Arthur Ashe? I think so. Mm-hmm. Which, by all accounts, has only sold 10,000 tickets. Oh, really? That's two weeks out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen sort of wrestling tickets reporting, but that's, that's 10,000 tickets. Come on. That's 10,000 tickets. I know. I'm just but thinking. The last you know, one sold like, in minutes, didn't it? It did. It's. Yeah, it is. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the next couple of weeks where there's a big media blitz or whatever. Because if they can get it up to like 15,000, then it's all right. You just don't want the visibly empty bits, do you? Don't worry, they'll turn yeah. all the lights off again and won't even show that they're empty. <laughs> they won't show yeah. the crowd anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a stadium, not that you'd fucking know. Yeah. Yes. The whole, whole presentation what? needs a reset for, for really doing the three quarters of the year review. Fucking nah. new, new theme music, new lighting, new logos. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. I don't want to go yeah. full Nitro 2000, but let's, uh, let's freshen mm. it up a little bit. Yeah. But there we go. Anything else in AEW? It's dead. I think that's what you said, JP. Are they ever going to blow off Jericho and Eddie Kingston properly? I, I, I was convinced months ago that, 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 that Arthur Ashe was going to be the end of it and yeah. they'd properly have their proper... And that would kind of wrap the whole big, sprawling mess of the fucking out, thing that it let became. Things play out, let things play out. No, it yeah. turns out letting things play out. It has, actually hasn't. Jericho did win that feud and beat Brian. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> things like that annoy me that, that, that there's... What was the conclusive point of that feud? Yeah. You know, it just kind of petered out no, no. and like there were big matches. There was the blood and guts, mm. but then it kept going. And I know like there was the whole thing where Eddie was suspended that might have changed plans and that kind of thing. But I, I still think there's one match in it between the two of them and Arthur Ashe is the place to do it. 
Don't worry, on the on the rampage before Arthur Ashe, there'll just be a very there'll be a thirty second quick backstage <laughs> promo or something like that where Jericho yeah. interrupts Eddie Kingston and then they then have a match at Arthur Ashe just randomly <laughs> on the on, on on the fly decided with a thirty <laughs> second fuck shit yeah let's just take the sun in thirty seconds homicidal randomly <laughs> homicidal randomly show up for no reason and nobody will know who he is and it'll be a bit of a mess anyway <laughs> and John Walters will attack Daniel Garcia to rightfully claim back his oh, now you got me JP that sounds good let's go I'm, I'm back on the <laughs> chain it's not in the mud anymore they haven't run out of did you enjoy seeing did you enjoy seeing BJ Whitner Benno sitting on the touchlines for the he was one of the judges for the pure title uh, to answer that question for Benno on behalf of Benno every year for the last 20 years no uh, <laughs> <laughs> BJ Whitner <laughs> It will never be yes. <laughs> I've always been bitter against him ever since. Like he's looking well. He's looking well for his uh, age. I just remember being backstage at an ROH thing, and like he walked past on a crutch, and my mate Justin was like trying to lift his spirits. Like, you all right, BJ? How's it going? Are you okay? Are you all good? And he went. He just looked at him and went, no, and then walked off in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> what a prick. Um, no, BJ fucking Whitmer, isn't it? Like, I don't, he never was. It's like a steal. That was so funny last yeah. week trying to explain to Matthew who he steal was. No, people expect me to go. Oh, like, who is he? Who he was is this he? ROH legend. He had this great. No, no, he was just CM Punk, like an AW, got his mate a job, and he was the third man in those six man tags. Yeah, like, very much the third man. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him in Chicago getting no pop as well. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> Punk's career might be over because of him. But anyway, yeah, AW done, dusted in the in the bin, in the mud. Well, Tony Khan will ever promote again, according to the grapple lads. I can see the headlines now. Uh, JP, <laughs> anything else right. to talk about, please? I've got a few things actually on on here. I'm going to try and do this in about four. It's going to be mad that we spoke about one promotion for two hours forty five minutes or so. And then we're going to go through basically four promotions between me and, and the one match that Garrett saw as well. I, there's something I want to mention, first of all. Um, hold before, the I don't have to pull a face. Go for it. Uh, so go on, JP. For the, the N1, no, and I think you'll all be interested in this. Nope. I was a bit of, before I go into N, N1 victory. <laughs> was I know. Well, he'll regret this. I watched, I watched a bit of Gideon Gray in New Japan because I just had to see this. I just thought, I have to see what this is. And potentially it's quite brilliant undercard stuff with the emphasis on undercard. As is much he wrestling as or managing? Well, the idea is he is the money behind United Empire. So he's the reason they've been able to do it. And he met Great O'Connor on his excursion. Okay. He can wrestle, but he never trained in a school. He had all, he like had people, wrestlers come over to wrestle in his mansion and all the rest of it. So he's there as someone who he can't really wrestle but can do a few holes, but isn't really any good at it. They can't kick him out because he's the money behind it, but he he is the pin eater of the team because you can't, like he was in there with TJP and, and Francesco Akira, who are the junior tag champs. You can't really have them beaten, being pinned. Then after that, you've got Jeff Cobb and Great O'Khan, who are always seen as quite sort of credible contenders and other stuff like that. Yeah, I can hear... I can hear it there around the world with Jack. There he is. Um, there was a request in the chat. So Sorry, it's a request in like the, chat. the classic. He hasn't been given a mic. Um, he should never win Sorry, or get any pinfalls, but he's doing a gimmick of being the person who can take the pins. And it was this, this tour is only notable for the fact there's cheering. They haven't sold that Kurukan at all, but there's a bit of cheering, and they're just cheering at fucking anything. 
And that includes Gideon Gray. Off he goes again um, on this. That's Gideon Gray in New Japan. It's worth it. Like, they call him a money, a money mark. He's basically like a money mark who, who had taken it so far he wants to wrestle. <laughs> Fuck it up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Fucking Slade. Oh, no. Well, moving on from that, I am now going to talk about the N1 victory final. And someone you're interested in, Jamesy, uh, Hideki Suzuki versus the big, big nearly man of of Noah in the last few years, inexplicably, because he's a young lad, Kaito Kiyomiya. And he won in a shocking decision of giving a victory to someone under the age of 50. They've decided (laughs) to have uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, who's 25, or I think he is, up against the sprightly 42 two-year-old Hideki Suzuki. I went 3.75 on the app on this because I don't think it was... It's a difficult, We always describe the Jamesy match. It's like a lot of it was, as you'd expect with like Hideki Suzuki, it's basically very, very good, very basic moves being done like in, like, you know, headlock takeovers, wrist locks, hammer locks, but they're all done with a bit of extra zip and a bit of extra kick to them as well. And it works. And Kaito Kiyomiya is like a re- is is an excellent seller. I just don't think he had the drama for me because it was kind of sort of slightly too long and truncated. But ultimately, they got to the place they needed to, to get to, which is part of the elevation of of um, of uh, Kiyomiya. Whilst at the same time, Suzuki's fine because he got um, you know he's got the tag belts with Thatcher, who notably made Go Shiozaki submit. And was given a big kind of like pin on the undercard. So he's it feels back, like isn't he? he's back, and it feels like Thatcher's going to be somewhere more prominent on the card, which they haven't done for a while. They haven't had like the the luxury of being able to put in any foreign talent in there. Mm. So he was there. Uh, Chris Ridgeway turned up. Um, like he tur- he turned up, and they retained the uh, junior tag belts with him and him and Agawa. Um, who else was on there? Is he- Jack Morris was on there as well. Yeah. Benno's still gone. I'm loving this. He's like, he's not going to be here. There he is. He's going to go in a second, isn't he? Because you know what I'm going to mention next? Huh? Jack, he was was on the undercard. (laughs) If only, what, from Saved by the Bell? Uh, uh, It's it's Jack Morris on here, who's he's very much your hipster Drew Galloway uh, (laughs) uh, uh, at this point in time. And finally, because I'd be remiss not to mention him and watch Benno go in a second, Melbourne City Wrestling New Horizons. I managed to squeeze this basically on the way back home today. Yeah, he's putting me over to go over the top of it. We're going to talk quite through it. Not as good as Ballroom Brawl, which I think all of you would agree on. On that was like, you know, had a cracking show on there. Instead, I don't know if Adam Brooks is gone or not, because there was talk of him saying he was leaving, but it was basically a big walking brawl with him and Mitch Waterman in the main event and all around the Thornbury Theatre, Benno, your old uh, neck of the woods. Um, it was it was a different kind of match. It was basically, you got a young baby-faced champion. You can't, you know, you, you need to have him at some point, like kind of the shit beating out of him. He didn't bleed. I think that was a missed opportunity as well. Um, and it was very weird that they teased Buddy Murph, uh, Buddy Matthews, coming back in. That was the thing that distracted Adam Brooks from winning the title. And Adam Brooks, as I've said before in MCW, perfectly good. Like at that scene, it works very well. There's a lot of kind of, you get a feeling of kind of British European wrestling circa 2014 in terms of the presentation of it. It's not reaching obviously those kind of like buzzing heights, but 
everyone on the undercard has their defined characters and their roles and the audience know what those roles are. So the, they had Emma and the kids being Jake, Andrew, Arthur, which by the way is literally spelled Andrew and then A R T H A afterwards, not Andrew hyphen Arthur. Um, Cause you might be expecting him to play fly, fly half of the, uh, sorry, uh, out half of the Cronulla sharks or something, but instead, no, he's a big judo bloke. He's a monster. Emma and the kids, tiny, I mean, the kid actually had won the match before it against Edward Dusk in the Ascension Tournament semi-final. I know you were desperate for the results of this, Benno. Well, Emin the kid won, and then he won the ladder match as well. So he gets an inter-commonwealth title, which I love that. It's like just mixing commonwealth with intercontinental, and he's just like, yeah, fuck it, why not? Is there going to be a commonwealth anymore? We don't know, because if you're not aware, the Queen has died. So maybe that isn't going to be a thing anymore. Um yeah, fun opener with Big Dude. It was a Big Dude Energy and Caveman Ugg versus the family. I know you're buzzing about that. Rocky Romero's. Um, that was that was a lot of fun. The Natural Classics looked like they might be out on some sort of excursion because they lost to Slex and Tommy Knight. Slex, by the way, his nickname is The Business. And I thought to myself, this is the most Matty Edwards of wrestlers. Like, <laughs> he looks, he's like a guy on the, he's a guy on the indies who really presents himself really well. And he's always in really good shape. And his nickname is The Business as well. And so I'm just thinking that works for him entirely. Yeah. So um, the women's match, Jessica Troy Delta had an awful finish as a draw. And Delta wasn't very good, like kind of very raw. And Jessica Troy is very, uh, you know, is as good as you're going to get out there. There's a ceiling onto these types of things on here. So, yeah, I thought it was a, it was, it was a fun enough card. They do a lot of these. They're two and a half hours. They're about six matches long. They have a 15-minute intermission. They don't fuck about. And I can admire that in a car. And I think all indie promotions can learn something from that as well. And production value-wise, it was live on fight. The sound kind of cut in and out a couple of times. On the whole, like, like we would kill for these production values in uh, in in the UK. We absolutely would do. Um and they're not even like that amazing for it. But yeah, another fun MCW card. There you go, Benno. Managed to do all of that in about six, seven minutes. Not bad. It's not about me, JP. It's about you exp- expressing your love of uh, Australian wrestling. There's people out there who, you know, get something out of it. Um, yeah. It's like when I go on a people, multi- per- person, person out there. No. <laughs> well, Carl's no. having a good time. Leave him alone. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to make amends with Carl. You make me feel like I'm Jeremy in that um, tent in Peep Show. With that one person after he's screwed over uh, um, David Mitchell. See, I hate myself there, JP, because I actually did care about what happened with it, what was going on with Gideon Gray in, in Japan. What a weird story that is! Like, what a the fact that he's out there, he's being taken relatively seriously, he's getting over. Like, how how did that happen? Did like somebody from New Japan? How did they watch a Red Pro show and go, "That's the guy"? Not Oku, not Ricky Knight Junior. That guy. That's who we want. But- like, how the fuck? He was in there. It was like Chase. I think it was like Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and Hikaleu. And the only reason you would watch this is the fact <laughs> of hell, when, like, I know <laughs> the grimmest trio Gide- I've ever heard of. Gide- like Gideon Gray kind of makes the whole thing work because you got this person in there who's like acting like they're really scared a lot of the time when they're in there with the bigger guys, or they're just trying to dive out as soon as it is. But he's also being given all this false praise. It's the only the rest of these tours are just fucking tag matches all the way to, as a basically as a filler while they're getting used to bringing people in and listed logistics about it of like 
people so they can actually cheer again. It was a novel that you hear noise, like you'd swear there's a fire on or something like that because you just hear these like kind of yells and what it's like, something fucking happened? No, but they're allowed to do that now in some sections. But they still didn't sell out Currican. Like, I would guess, what was Currican? Old six, like up to 1800 or something like that. I'd be shocked if there was a thousand of this. You not going to Royal Quest anymore, Gareth? Um, I heard you saying that in the uh, the pre-show there. Like, I, I'm quite, I, I'm always a bit good. I don't think I'm going to make it now. But uh, FDR against Aussie Open, uh, the people they've announced, like, looks decent to be honest. Looks like uh, the show that should be. It's just unfortunately very short notice to uh, to make it work. Yeah, no, it looks. A, I think it looks a good show. Like, I, I just can't go because Sarah's um, in Toronto that weekend that I oh, totally right. forgot forgot about. So I'm just stuck with the uh, stuck NFL with the kids up here, but, but uh, and the NFLs that weekend, oh. so I can't go much the Vikings on the Sunday either. So, um, but um, yeah, no, I think it'll be a good show, and in that venue, it'll be a good. It looks, you know, from the photos from the ROH setup and things like that, it looks like it'd be a decent, you know, decent enough side crowd in a intimate enough sort of arena to see some matches like that. I reckon it's going to be a quality uh, quality day out. Um, so if JP decides to have my ticket off me, he'll be having a, a good day and maybe I'll be the uh, Royal Quest 2 person you can rub, <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> rub my nose in the mud that I missed out maybe. Yeah, we've got the uh, uh-huh. our Royal Quest is uh, G- JP's not coming to GCW anymore on uh, on Thursday, mate. We're going to see, you know, some fantastic matches. Uh-huh. Just the real quest. Where outside Matt, on the street, Matt Cartona against uh, against Curtis Chapman. <laughs> Is it going ahead? Yeah, it's going ahead. Tony Deppen versus Robbie Axel. Missing on, on her grave, aren't you? Really, that's honestly. <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be a good match. Like I, I am looking forward to that. Now the night after, Kings of the North against <laughs> fucking Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. I can't get over that match. I can't get over that somebody thought that was the match to book. Book Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver, the flippiest fuckers in GCW, against like just fucking. You did the next division tournament last month. Book any of those lads, throw any of those lads in there. Like, what are we doing? I don't particularly think much of Nick Wayne, but there's still a certain buzz around the chap. Like, you know what I mean? So, do a singles singles match with them, maybe Robbie X or something, or. Anything but fuck it. Kings of the North, the most nothing tag team of the last 10 years. Just like I would say, I've seen more Kings of the North matches than probably most acts in the last 10 in terms of live wrestling. I've seen, and there's no difference between any match they have. Nothing, they're you know fucking what? terrible. Absolutely. And they're a pair like, of wankers as well, but anyway, massively over in Liverpool in TNT, though, aren't they? Weird. Like, they're yeah. just they're so over. Like, it's I've never never been able to put my finger on it but they are so well, it's, it's maybe it is so much better for me no it's it's not that it's the it's the stylistic thing like they're two big lads against that like just you know the obvious match, good place right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking I'm, 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 fucking I'm, Jimmy Lloyd I'm, throw, I'm throwing out the lines that people would be saying back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well if there were anything Corvin is the ace of base really isn't he <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your brawl around the arena, Benno, and you'll get your moment in the, at towards the end of the match where they're all on all fours and they start doing trading punches in the middle of the ring, and then you get a load of massive kickouts, and then you'll get your one, two, three, and that'll be it. But yeah, it's 
I'm not going to beat a dead horse, not going to do me 20-year-old Randy Orton gimmick, but yeah, as far as, like, I think GCW on its own is obviously, you know, the last couple of years, like, lost its luster, you know, and Gareth or, and others will say, did it ever have its luster? But, you know, I think the, the cover thing, Nick Gage is a meme and, uh, and you know, the presentation of it is, uh, like, a cause and whatever, GCW back when the, the backyard shows hadn't been overdone and the Janela shows hadn't been overdone, you know, it had its time and place, GCW, but, like, this roster that's coming over that they've got left, you know, like that's a problem. And then, like I say, to beat a dead horse, you add, you know, you try and do these dream matches with British wrestlers and you end up with Joe Janela versus G Money and fucking <laughs> Effie versus Shamo Knight, Tony Deppen versus. So is Man Like Therese. That's not too bad. Are these real matches that are happening? Ali Catch versus Lizzie Evo. So Lizzie Evo getting a, a big match there against Ali Catch. Fucking just she's taking on she's taking on session moth, isn't she? One of the nights. Ali catch against session moth. Oh my god. (laughs) The Jamesy Invitational. Jesus Christ. Are you actually paying for these tickets? Oh, it's a night out in it, Gareth. (laughs) Are you you going on the Thursday? I've paid for the Thursday as well. Thursday and Friday. To be honest, like me and JP need to do the weekly show, and that's taking higher precedence right now. Like, I'm sorry. Fuck you know. <laughs> I'd have to skip the weekend show to make it, and I'm like, I'm not sure it's worth the sacrifice. But, uh, I don't know. It'll be no, they'll be good. They will. They will be good nights out. Like anyone who's coming down, we're gonna have a laugh, aren't we? Like the, the Friday night's gonna be boss. Just, yeah. just gonna be a good crack. Like I'm really looking yeah. forward to. It. It'll be so bad. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Be one of those ones. Put that on a GCW t-shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so bad, we're good. <laughs> uh, before we go, anything else you guys want to mention? Got five minutes here. Anything else anyone's uh, watched? Well, I mean, I did watch the first match of Impact, uh, having <laughs> having put um, having entered it into a spreadsheet to put into the app. I saw the words um, um, Ace Austin and Chris Bay versus Aussie Open, which definitely perked my interest as a as a potential matchup um as it happens it was a seven seven minute tv match which was very good and if you've got seven minutes of time and you've got impact uh, that you can watch you know give it a watch give it you know it was like a three star 3.25 star match you know exactly what you'd expect from from Aussie Open and those two lads but um, yeah maybe uh maybe uh not the um what it, what it would have been if they'd given the fifteen or twenty minutes there? That could have been an absolute banger to start your uh, start your program there, but uh, but well worth a watch. I saw Rovert, our uh, all good friend, point out that uh, he thought the presentation of them being introduced to the promotion was better than the job AEW did, as you know, because they've just kind of been background guys to Osprey, haven't they? I haven't yeah. really had like a big debut, or they just kind of they just exist, don't they? Yeah, I mean they came out. They had the um, they've got the New Japan Strong tag belts, haven't they? So they had the belts with them. So you know they've got a good look these days, aren't they? You know they're both you know mm. good good size, good you know good gear. Came out with belts, looking like you know proper pair of um, proper pay, yeah, pair of like big big ass uh, kickers really. And the um, the you know again, it was what you'd probably expect from Aussie Open in a seven minute match. You know real fast paced stuff. You know. And then again, same stuff from from Ace Austin and Chris Chris Bay, just sort of like bouncing around off Davis and things. It was a, it was yeah, like I say, it was a it was a TV match on Impact that was seven minutes long, but it was worth seven seven minutes every every time. Aussie Open just look good. They just look TV ready. You know, we've seen them have some fucking outstanding matches over the uh, last uh, last three or four years, and they're certainly uh, better than. Um, a lot of um, a lot of teams that are out there as well, so it's just good to see them getting the uh, 
get the exposure there. And I'd much rather be watching them do this than watch Mark Davis throwing about inflatables in the frog and bucket. <laughs> well, if you want to do that, mate, you've got a hell of a twofer coming up. Yeah, um, progressing. <laughs> just head to Cardiff, mate. Progressing. <laughs> I will, I'll be honest, by the way, just to, just to give it a slight defence, that I'm looking at that TNT show for Thursday. It has got Jordan. It's got um, Dean Ol- It's a better card. Yeah, Dean Olaf, Blake Christian on it. Dan Maloney, Nick Wayne on it. Like, I know I just talked about Kings of the North, but that feels stylistically like Dan Maloney could maybe keep up with Nick Wayne and do some kind of big man little man match. That is the show with Session Moth versus Ali Catch on it, so you can't have everything, but even Cardona's <laughs> working a proper match against a man like Darius, which is, you know... Yeah, that'll be, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Something to be said for that card, isn't it? Clint Marger and Colom probably won't be uh, for you, Gareth, but, you know, throw some ladders in. Something to enjoy. Was that... Was that the match they did before? It was, wasn't it? When we were last there. When, uh, yeah, the, it the, was. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Stories yeah. being paid off. Weekend show at 7GP, so I can uh, head over. Sounds good on Thursday. Perfect. It's, 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 it is. It's the, better, it's the better card. It's the better card than the Friday night. So, uh, sorry, than the, uh, yeah, than the Friday night. Get yourself along. Don't leave me on me, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Ticket's still available. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, unless there's anything else, I think that's uh, that's it for us for the, that's the show. Pretty much it. Jamesy, anything you'd like to plug? Nothing really, no. <laughs> My Twitter. I'd probably have most people blocked at this stage anyway, but at <laughs> Jamesy <laughs> underscore 2015. If I don't have you blocked, give us a follow. But that's that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. FPL Club on Thursday. Yeah, the, F- the FPL show. podcast, of course, on a Thursday night. God, yeah, how could I forget? Not a podcast. But a club yeah, for, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be. Exactly. <laughs> Game one. It's a club, isn't it? For like tune in individuals. And, exactly. Tune in and see what chips Andy Ongan is going to use this week. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, uh, Gareth. How about you, mate? Download the app. It's App Store, Google Play. Search for Grapple. No E on the end. You, you know what to do. Download it. Get your ratings in. It's not just AW, it's not just WWE. Get your ratings in for Stardom and DDT and Noah and everybody else. Even MCW. I might yes. put that card up for you tomorrow, JP. Good lad. John Paul? Oh, nothing about other than go to patreon.com forward slash grapple, <laughs> where we've had 500, in reality, 498 shows on there as well. So if you want to have uh, go back and listen to any of that extensive archive now, there's fuck tons. So get yourself over to there. I'll read it out again for those of you in the back of the room, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Yeah, and that's all of it. As James, you said, uh, Grapple FBL can be found. Uh, get that anywhere podcast are sold on Spotify, iTunes. It's uh, all over the place too if you want our hot takes on uh, on Thursday night after the uh, the big news. But yeah, other than that, weekend show uh, coming up probably on the, on Thursday this week. Uh, TNT uh, invite uh, pending. And yeah, other than that, JP, hopefully we'll have a, we'll definitely will get on the, yep. uh, that punk theme show this week. Plenty more coming on the Patreon. But other than that, we'll be back next Monday, I'm sure, with another Spotlight. Bye. Let's get it. Hop up a set team, passing the ditch of D5. No, that's not a challenger. I get some members with me in the freaks. Get coat seat, they some cannibals. They like to get geek. Drink a whole bottle, wake up and repeat. Damn. She took a look, missed it with the chill out. Now she says she's in 3D. Wow. I go in the jungle and they got a coat. I bet I come out with a me. Do this shit for the fam, cause this shit bigger than me. Color stones in my infinity lean. And in the factory masterpiece. I call on twin, could that be my brother? We got the same roller, he matching me. Nah, for real. Water on me, like the sun. Some carrots, some pointers. All these commas, I won't fumble. Me go gunners out the junk. Want to show off your patriotism and love for firearms? 
you need to check out Goat Guns. Our authentic die-cast miniature gun replicas are a great way to celebrate your rights while adding a unique and high-quality item to your collection. They are fun to build and make a great display addition to your office, man cave, or anywhere you want to show off your collection. Start your collection today at GoatGuns.com.